All right, we're back. Duo time. Uh, due to some logistics on Tuesday's show where people weren't available, so we still will do it on Thursday. I had an open window. Iggy had an open window. And here we are, Iggy and I, back as a duo once again. We're back in the saddle, Mo. How are you doing? I am well. I am well. This weather screwed me up as usual. This warm, cold weather front we have, which is awful for my system. But we're well, though. Well, like, what's your system? Well, I don't adapt well. When we go from like, uh, when we go from winter to spring, so we do the cold to warm. You get my the allergies. Why doesn't adapt eh? as well as a wid? So going from warm to cold. You you get the allergies, and eh? you're one of those. Yeah, it's just you know, it just doesn't. It lingers, right? Especially in February, early late Jan, February, where we've had like weird weather, like not proper winter, and so it's been weird. It's been a nice winter, actually. Like this week has been really sunny. Like strangely enough, I'll take it. Yeah, our spring will be sucky, and we have those Sunday morning games in May. It's gonna be like minus ten outside. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, maybe. We'll uh, look, it, it is called the Audible. We're doing a, a super episode today with uh, Iggy and I. And uh, before we dive into, we have uh, Zach Elberts. Elberts, or is it Elberts? Elberts. 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 We'll kill. See. We'll see. Uh, Raph Morelli join us as well. And uh, we'll have on those guys in the first hour of the show, and we'll do a complete recap and preview for the games coming up this week. Uh, but before we get into it, we do have some side notes to bring up in terms of the league announcement and what we have lined up. Of course, we're almost approaching the halfway point for most teams. And with that, everyone likes to know when playoff schedule will be out, Iggy. And we have a better idea when that will be released in the coming days or weeks, perhaps? Yeah, coming days, I'd say it's uh, currently in the works. It's cooking. So uh, the meal will be prepared soon. So in that, in that case, they only have the ingredients, not the meal prep. So, uh, uh, But no, it's, it's pretty much uh, the dates are set. Uh, so please take into account. Uh, when the days are going to be locked in for your division, when they will play or divisions that you might play for your multiple teams. So it's very important that you look at that because we've always had the same thing come up uh, in April. Oh, can you move this game? Because uh, five of my guys have this or that. So it's really important that you pay close attention to when the days are for your playoff uh, division because it's pretty much locked in unless we have some unforeseeable thing that happens. But otherwise... That's it for the play updates that will be released in the coming days. Yep, exactly. Um, and then for playoff eligibility, uh, remember you need five games played. So, uh, captains, check your roster, check your team roster, see the number of games played for all your players and make sure uh, that the players that are still under five games, that they uh, definitely make the games uh, so that they are playoff eligible. Uh, and then, Mo, um, another topic here. A lot of players say to me, you know, what is the rule for bringing in a player after halftime or right before halftime? Uh, what, 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 what would you say to them? I mean, first of all, there's no halftime rule. There, that doesn't exist. That's not a thing. I don't know if it was a thing in the past, but it's not a thing. There is no before halftime a player can play after halftime, a player cannot play. So what is what is the rule there, just to get some clarification? So it's the Padrome rule. Uh, years ago, Padrome in the spring season game, it was like a division, whatever it was. He was walking in, and the team went down to like four players, I believe it was, or five, whatever it was. 
And they go, hey, Pat, can you come join in? And he did, and he won the football game with, with like, you know, two minutes left in the game. Legit, that's what happened. I score kept that game. So the league put in the rule that the rule is, and what Iggy's trying to get to, the rule is this. You must be on that game sheet on the iPad for the team that you will play for. So what Iggy's referring to, there was a situation in Brossard on Saturday night where Team A was playing Team B. And Team A was down, and they decided to add a player who wasn't on that game day roster sheet that was submitted to the scorekeeper. And by virtue of that, they automatically forfeited the game. So you have to, if you're a captain, you have to notify the scorekeeper that A, a new player is coming, that they're here, present physically, or they're on their way. Please add them, and then they'll check in with you the moment they arrive at the field to play their game. So Again, it's very important that you do this stuff before, and it goes back to Iggy's point before about the five games played, that if you're trying to get guys the five games to be eligible for your team for the playoff run, please be clear with the scorekeeper and double-check with the scorekeeper to make sure that that player or players will be eligible for that game. And, I mean, Mo, you, you say you said it in a funny way, but essentially it boils down to this. But tell me if I'm wrong, but it, it should boil down to this. If the player in question is on your roster, they can join and play at whatever moment in the game, whether there's one minute left in the game, whether it's one minute after halftime, whether it's a minute before halftime. If they are on your roster, on your team page, they can play at any moment in the game. But as soon as the whistle blows to start the game and someone is not on your roster, the scorekeeper can no longer add a new player to your roster. If they do, it is a forfeit automatic. Yeah, correct. The game's over, and that's that's there all. You go. So okay. So there's um, no there's no halftime rule. A lot of no, people say, "Oh, can can a player come before or after halftime?" No. no. If it's a roster player, they can play at any moment. If they're not on the roster, as soon as the game starts, then they cannot be added to your roster. Just very quickly, two more points before we get to Zachary uh, Albert's Gill. Um, uniforms, again, goes back to the point that five games played. Remember, and it's still being not conveyed clearly, but if your player or players don't have a proper number, that means having a legitimate visible number that isn't marked or taped, and you don't have the correct uniform color or what's in the same neighborhood of that uniform color, you'll not get the games played, which means no stats, no game, and that can hurt your your value of trying to get playoff eligible uh, for April uh, playoffs. The funny one is always like the tape number that starts falling off. Yeah, like, yeah. come on, get it, get, get a good number. Yeah. No, seriously though, it's for the look, the image of the league, right? Uh, there's always media content going up and it just looks terrible when, you know, a team is gray, blue, pink, uh, and, and, and yellow and players are, have, you know, hanging number tape numbers hanging off, you know, it just looks yeah. bad. So, uh, so just keep an eye out for, uh, for your games played and your stats. And just finally, uh, we're almost done with team photos. We still have a handful left, so please uh, be patient. We're doing some re- we were, we have some redos to do. We have some redos because of some uh, uh, not so clean picks that we took in the first go around. So we're almost there. And if we haven't taken the picture yet, we will. And if you want, if you want to have a redo, please ask the scorekeeper, uh, and we can do it for you. So please keep that in mind as we move towards uh, the final stages of team pictures. Thankfully, all right. Let's uh, bring in our first guest here on the CTA. And uh, by the name of what he has on his screen, I don't know if he sees it or not, Iggy. 
But you were having a good laugh uh, because of the miscue from uh, the Nightingale when it came to spelling Zachary Albert's oh, yeah, last really? name. Hello, Zach. Welcome to the show. What's up, buddy? I, I can't even see it in my screen. I can barely see it a little bit. Is there an E in there somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> there's, 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 there's an, an extra e. e. You're you're today for tonight. You're Zachary Alberts Gill. Okay, I'd like to be Alberts and just rep all my Alberts. Oh, that's better. That's better. Much all right. better. Yeah. Uh, Zach, we have a lot to get to with you, uh, so let's just dive into it. Uh, we'll start off with um, the, the fives, the Division 5A and 5B so far. Uh, 5A, um, what do you need to see from the Petit Carat uh, to note them as the contender in this division because they're off to a fabulous start this season? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. My eyes might be deceiving me, but I was going to say nothing because they're 4-0, but I thought they lost to A-Squad. There was some crazy forfeit. Is that what you guys were talking about? <laughs> the roster and stuff. Okay, everybody, get on your game about that. So, because it's interesting. Because, uh, like, I thought they particularly had this, but to maybe like actually technically lose to A Squad, yeah, I really need them to beat the West Island Habibis if you want to be a contender. If you lose to these guys, I, I seriously doubt your ability to go like the whole distance. But you know, keep so you're seeing the false kings. I I mean that listen, it's a win. A forfeit is a win. You are undefeated. But you know that there was a one point difference in that game. So like I need them to beat the West Island Habibis to not be false kings because I don't think they are, but they need to prove me right. Let's right, say they lose by play. one. Yeah. Hmm? I say they lose to them by one. If they play them at some point, they lose by one that in the last play. Then listen, you're a top five team. You're you could make it to the finals, and you're gonna compete the whole way through. But I can't give you a clear road all the way because like these are close games and these are competitive teams. But I don't think the like I think Strapaholics might be up there too. Like we're not even talking about Ducks or or like Nighthawks actually are surprising me recently. Like those are top t contenders too, and like yeah. So. Thanks. Yeah, you know, so Zach, you bring up the uh, the A squad. Uh, if you look at their their record now, they fall all the way down to uh, to twentieth place there. Uh, now sitting at zero and five uh, due to uh, some roster uh, manipulation leading to forfeits. So uh, now sitting at zero and five. Uh, again, points four at least don't matter in terms of you know breaking ties. Oh, okay. uh, points against do right. So. That that said though, 151. That's still the most in division uh, in division 5A right now. So, yeah, uh, has have they are they dead in the water now at sitting at 0 and 5? You know, I, I really wish it wasn't so. But I mean, you know, take away two forfeits. Not to say that those teams wouldn't have put up 30 points. You know, I think uh, the other team put up 24 points, right? But just to say, like, take away 60 points, you're at 90. A couple, like, you're at early 100s, which isn't the worst. But with five games already played. I, I don't know how you can come back from this and not allow so many defensive scores. Like, I, I don't know how you dig yourself out of this hole you've you've put yourself in. It's really unfortunate because I think they could have started to pick up steam. Uh, Zach, when you look at it right now, uh, the big game, there's a couple of big games. We'll start with the first one here. Uh, bigger game for who, Vice City or Hill Marty's? They'll play each other this weekend. I would have said Hail Marty's because they're on the cusp of uh, the eliminations. I'm going to start renaming it the Elimination Chamber. Um, but I really think 
it's actually Vice City that this game is more important to. They have five games under their belt. If they lose this one and go two and four, I think they're in a much worse spot than like a, a two-game team that can easily turn it around halfway through their season. Yeah, yeah I right. saw them like, play. Uh, sorry, I saw, I saw them play on yeah, the weekend, yeah. and they had a bad loss, like a really bad loss. Um, and that was like a, I thought it was like a warning sign in my books that if they're gonna make a run, they had they can't lose as they did to the Bandits by twenty four points, who had pretty much five six guys playing for them. So mm. yeah, I, I agree with you. I think for Vice, they have to put together a win. Like this is a massive game for them because if they lose, they drop into a hole that might be too hard to to dig out of. Uh, when it comes to the playoff run down the road. Yeah. And then, Zach, the uh, the Ducks versus Strapaholics game, uh, that might be one of the bigger matchups uh, in Week 7. Just how big is that matchup? Yeah, to, uh, to be honest, I think uh, second or third place of this division is going to be the team that could keep themselves to one win. Um, so I really think wh- whoever wins this has the real chance of getting the second seed, may- maybe the first or whatever. But like, uh, this is a really important game, I think, for both teams, especially I think Strapaholics who had their game delayed a bit. Would you say whoever wins this game, would you put them as your number one team in your power rankings? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I would. I, oh boy, would I put both these teams? I don't think I'd put. How, how many teams am I allowed in my power rankings? Five. I'm a okay, go. I'm a top fiver. I think both of these teams make it. Yeah, because I would definitely put. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil it, Mo. But uh, I think both of these teams would be in my top five. All right, on to five B. Um, Win Diesel. They're five and zero. Oh. Uh, but if you look at their win loss record of their opponents, it's a combined total of eleven and fifteen. Are you all in on Win Diesel being the best in this division? Best in the division. Um, one of the best. I don't know if the best. I think their schedule is going to allow them to be the best of the division. Like looking at who they have left to play, I don't think they're going to take a loss. Um, maybe Shea Benny Express might be a hiccup for them. Um, but realistically, I, I don't know if they're going to lose, but I don't know if they're the best team. I still like, you know, I'm always going to give it up for uh, Ramfins, even though they lost. Toon Squad is coming in strong. That would have been a great matchup, too, to see. Um, I think any of these teams could make it all the way. So I, I won't say the best, but I'll say the best. They're going to go be the best team of the division this year. Could Maccabees maybe give them a run? They're 3-0-2, no losses. Not, I, we'll talk about the ties for them. Yeah, yeah. in terms of team, them. I think Maccabees is strong. But I don't. I think those two ties are going to doom them out of first place or even second. Right. That's it. The, those ties. How much does it hurt them? Yeah. I, I think. I think. Oh yeah. I wrote it even down here. Like I, I think it's theoretically impossible for them to get into first with two ties with the division going the way it is. You have a team at five and zero. Five to even if they lose all five of them, that's ten points. What do we got to do? I can't do math off the top of my head, but like, <laughs> you got to win one more, and then you have four games of. Listen, yeah, you can but basically, do it easy, but yeah, basically, win Diesel, pack a punch, and Toon Squad. Even if they suffer a loss, yeah, it, they're they're still ahead of Maccabees because of the yeah. two, two way, way too far ahead of Maccabees. So where would you have Maccabees in your in your uh, power five then? Would, would they be number five or even higher? Outside, maybe. I, 
I think I just did. I just did I play them this year? No, I haven't played them yet. But I, they'd probably just be outside the the top five. I, I don't know exactly where. I I don't think they'd go all the way below top ten. But I, I you know they haven't beaten. You know what? They beat my threat level midnight. I'm I'm kind of always ranking for threat level midnight, and they did beat them in week two. But uh, they haven't done anything else that's been so spectacular uh, that I've that I, that I'm so impressed by them. But they're they're a good team. On the flip side, um, Avengers, they're 0-6. Uh, they're in trouble. I mean, they're they're essentially now three and a half games back of kicking the asses for number 16 right now. Um, can they compete for a playoff spot and kick out of the two count to get back in this whole process? I'm going to tell you, I think I wrote about this team week one or week two in the article, and I was super pumped. I made a whole bunch of Batman references. It was great. And uh, now I feel bad. I feel like Bane has just broken the Batman's back. Uh, 0-6. I hope you've, you've enjoyed the season. I hope you continue to enjoy it. I hope you come back. I don't think you're going to be a team that's making playoffs, but that doesn't mean, like, this should be your only season, right? I, I think FPF is full of teams that have a rough season or a rough patch or don't exactly get to do what they want to do, but try a lower division, try something else, but definitely come back because everybody has a, a spot in here and i want to chat more about vengeance you know okay so you're that's it they're even even if they rattle off four wins in a row they're not four. making it oh even if they i didn't even think well, that no, was no, a no, possibility no, no, no. now now well no <laughs> but i'm i'm uh I'm, I'm putting that out there i mean yeah. I, I obviously had four wins they would make the playoffs in yeah your, in, i think so rise. Yeah, I think I think I think three wins is going to be what kicks you out of this division in the end. I, I thought it would be a little bit lower, but I think three is going to be the cutoff. Yeah, right. I think I think the dotted line will be three. I agree with you because you got retired all stars, you got packing Packers, which is a pretty decent team. Betway Bandits have been playing better, and then, yeah. uh, hooligans. So I mean, I don't know where that wins or wins will come from. They'll have to get yeah. the last four. If they lose another one, I think they're they're all but goose at that point. <laughs> goose, yeah. Come back with a vengeance, you know? Come on. Yeah, you can do that's it. it. All right, Zach, we're going to shift over to Coed 3. Uh, we're just going to tail off here with Coed 3, uh, and then we'll we'll let you go, uh, and we'll continue with uh, Coed uh, 2 and Coed 1, uh, Mo and I. Um, but going over to Coed 3, uh, it's fascinating here that in Week 7, uh, all the top seeds in Coed 3 – so seeds one through four and seed number six, your Michael Scott Stotts, are all playing against the bottom seeds in the division. So how many upsets do we see in week seven? And we'll put a, an over-under of 0.5. Ooh. Wait, hold on. See, now you're you're too quick with the lingo here, and you're going to have to call out people. Does that mean you don't even think one team is going to have an upset? No. Well, uh, exactly. well I'm asking. Exactly. So <gasps> is there at least going to be one upset? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Agadidu and... is going to pull off an upset. Like, No, they're no, they're, no in week seven. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. looking at the wrong thing. Maybe <laughs> you are. So that in week makes, seven, okay, so, so you, you have you have like Michael Scott Sots, your team playing against the lower end Flamingo, the O and four Flamingos. You have Thunder Villains playing Dream Killers, Bonzit playing Show Me Your TDs, Block Party four and O playing against Eclipse, and you have at least we tried another undefeated team playing Perfect Strangers. So do any of the uh, and I believe actually all the uh, home teams or sorry the away teams are the are the, uh, the lower seed. Oh boy, that's a listen. I can't 
I think. <laughs> there you go. That's yeah. why point a lot harder, a lot harder, a lot harder than I thought. Listen, I was gonna say Thunder Villains, but you know, doing both five A and Coed, I get confused between the two. So sometimes I think the Coed team is like two and two, and I was like, oh, they're in a rough path, but they're not. They're actually doing really well. Um, I think maybe only I need to give. I need to say a number. I'm going yes, to say one. I'm going to say one. There's going to and, be and who's the one, one and who's the one? Yeah, which which team's going to upset? My gut, and this is a crazy gut thing. Yeah, go for it. I think the bandits might come out with the. I'm oh, sorry. The show me your TDs come out with the upset against bandit. I don't see clips. I don't see perfect strangers. I'm going to cross my fingers that flamingos don't get one over me. But I, I really, if there was going to be one, that would be the one I go with. Is there something about it in your, you know, in your gut feeling? Is there, is it the, the rushing of Alexia Roy that you've mentioned in the past, or is there something? Mm. What, what's what's sticking out? What immediately says, you know, Show Me TDs has a chance? Um, okay, that's a great question. I'm gonna answer one, the uh, the real answer, and then the joke answer is that there's also a bandit in Coed Five, uh, and so I might be thinking about that bandit instead right now too. Right. Um, but no, uh, really is, it is something like that. Like, uh, I know that show me your TDs haven't essentially found their QB, but Antoine Leves has done a great job still putting up yards in the games that he's played. Um, I really would say, yeah, a, a good, there's a pick sixes, a good rush by Alexa Roy, like six sacks. They have a good spread of the ball. I'm going to say, I don't see any other team doing it, which is why I have to pick those ones. Sort of from a defensive effort from yeah. uh, Show Me Your TDs. Got it. Yeah. Uh, last question for you, Zach. Um, how confident are you that Flamingos can get a victory uh, in their schedule to get into playoff contention? And is Alice Sobel the answer quarterback with her testing out the co-ed waters? You guys are really uh, giving me the hard-hitting questions. Excellent. Um... Uh, well, I mean, it's more of an Iggy question than a hard-hitting question. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> Clear that up over there. Um, I actually hadn't followed up on them to know that they switched it up at QB, but I'm seeing it now because I thought Athena Ryan started with them, didn't they? Like Athena Ryan started. Right. The I, I I think I think she or I believe she just subbed in for a game. Yeah. Uh, now you see, and this is where my detective skills have gone to kaputs. Um, listen, they got a hard road ahead of them. Uh, they might be able to sneak a win over Dream Killers. Okay, so the in their Week Ten matchup in March. Yeah, okay. but like I don't think Thunder Villains. I don't think at least we. I don't think at least we tried. And if they can get the win over um, the Dream Killers, it gives me a lot more confidence that maybe they can get it over Perfect Strangers as well. Um, right, so you you yeah. right, so you you'd be looking at a two and eight record, and if yeah. you go back to the uh, co-ed standings there, at two and eight, you have a chance with only one team not making the playoffs. Yeah, uh, they don't play, or uh, I, I would just want to see if they played. Show me your TDs already earlier this season. Yeah, they did and lost. Right, and they did and lost, so they don't have the uh, or show me your TDs. Uh, better said, has the tiebreaker over them. So they would yeah. at least need those two victories because Show Me Your TDs are, already has one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's hard. And then, so, yeah. Jeez. And now, is in Sobo, is she the answer at, uh, at quarterback for them? 
Well, yeah, I think, well, it's hard to put up a lot of points against some of these teams in co-ed three. Uh, keeping it to one to two touchdowns is a great start for any QB. Like, you kind of really need to get two. The next part is three and hoping your defense can start stopping teams. So so realistically, if she could start getting three per game, I'm then mm -hmm. expecting her defense to start making more plays for her. All right, then, Zach, uh, before I let you go, when can we see your next articles coming out for uh, FPF? Oh my gosh, I'm trying to pump out those uh, mid-season just quick report cards. So uh, they're definitely coming out Saturday before the games, not tomorrow. But you uh, want my advice? When you do mid-season report cards on each team, one-liners. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. One line, but offense, yeah. defense, that that's it. Yeah. Not even. So, not even. No, no, no. So, so the new, the new um recommendation and and uh, mid-season report cards for everyone viewing here um basically you will get a grade you'll get an offensive defensive and overall grade and then you'll get that one line or that 25 to 50 word uh tweet or what is a tweet um uh, basically the, the one liner but you will get a, a a grade for your offense your defense and overall as well excellent zach Alberts Gill, thank you so much. <laughs> Ail, Alberts, Alberts. All right, man. Awesome. Good, See ya. Alberts. All right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy. We always have some unique fun here at Calling the Audible and stuff. But let's just continue on because we have Raph Melly on with us in a few minutes from now. Eggs. Uh, uh, Koet, too. Uh, you bring up the, the point, and it's a pretty good question here. Um, and if you start him, sit him, cut him. Uh, the dual threat quarterback edition. We got Ben Carley, Felix Garin Lajoie, and William Burrard. Uh, who you got as your start? Sit him and cut him. Um, and, and I, I kind of liked asking this question, and then I'll pass it over to you. But um, just because I guess in prior seasons, I would have easily, easily, easily started Will Brouard, right. and I think. I'm and I'm not now. I, I I'm I'm not. So I, I'll I'll leave him aside. I'm either gonna sit him or cut him. So find out shortly. Um, and I just you know while it's a it's a little raw, I've liked what I've seen from Benjamin Carley. Uh, 26 touchdown passes so far this year. Uh, a a, or has already eclipsed a thousand yards in five games. So he's you know averaging 200 yards plus. I'm sure he's uh he's averaging some rushing yards here as we just uh, quickly check. Um, you know, 166 on the ground. Uh, definitely, Felix Jaren Lajoie is the better runner of the two. Uh, but don't count Benjamin Carley out, right? When he's running, he can make guys, girls miss uh, flags and break a five-yard run into like a 12 to 20-yard run, right? Um, so I'm gonna go Ben. I'm gonna start Ben Ben Carley of uh, Balls Deep. I'm going to uh and i'm gonna sit felix uh la joie he's he's put up uh, the second most touchdowns here alongside uh, chris rivet uh leading rusher uh in the division in terms of run running yards i believe or yeah in, in terms of running yards 250 amassed in five games obviously uh nestor uh is uh averaging way more 240 in two games um but i i, I like what he's what he's done now focusing more on the pass so i'm going to start benjamin carley i'm going to sit uh felix jaren lajoie and surprisingly i'm going to cut william brouin yeah I, I think i agree with you with all three i think carley's going to be your quarterback of the year winner by the clip he's going he is almost a two-one ratio when it comes to passing yards 
um, compared to number two. He's at 1,000. As you said before, the next one, I think, is just at 500 yards. So if you prorate that, he might be the only one that hits 2K, and he might be the only one that hits 50-plus touchdowns. Already his, his rush yards are somewhere in the 160 area with one TD, so already the the the, uh, the combined yards he's created or generated for his offense has been uh, second to none. So I, I think Carly's definitely the guy you, you start. Uh, Jérôme Lajoie, I think you will – you will uh, you will do as you said before, but I think William Barrow has a bit of wild card in him. I think I'm, I'm intrigued by his skill set for what he brings on the football field. I mean, through three games, he's at 15 touchdowns. So if you were to prorate that, he might actually hit 50 for the year if he does play the full right. 10 game schedule. Um, and also another key point that I find that he might have have over Carly right now is his passing completion, um, which is about eight points higher. So yeah. Carly's at 59 percent, just under 60 for the year. And um, you look at Bouwal, he's at 67.1. So a really good number for him so far. So I, I think that's how I would go with my uh, quarterback uh, depth chart going towards week seven. And then, you know, Mo, uh, a question I was looking at the standings. Uh, two teams that are, you know, coming slow out of the gate. Uh, you have uh, Balprefond and Canicule. Uh, these two teams match up in week seven. Uh, is this a must win uh, for Balprefond? Um, yes, because you look at it now. Uh, you have, excuse me, you have four teams below them at 17, 18, 19, 20, who are all 0-4 right now. They have no wins yet. So uh, a bad performance loss would could drop him into that uh, abyss of teams and IG team two, Ball so hard, Ball hard University who I've seen play uh, with Laurent Charles our quarterback. Um, there there's some decent teams in the red uh, area and all it takes is one more win for them. So I think for bad performance they have to win this game. They have to create a bit of a buffer now because eggs are at the halfway point of the year. If we're going to look at a, at a cutoff number, two could be enough. Three should be more than enough to get in the playoffs here. And I think for them now, with what they've built up for Bad Parkfall, look, you got Kenny Kuday coming up here, pass whipping, you and I, fit squad, and who's going to carry the boats? Those last two, three games are not going to be easy. So I think their yeah. playoff fate will be determined in week seven and week nine of their scale drill. If they are able to take one, if not both, I think they should be fine. Yeah, exactly. It is a huge game here against uh, Canicule. Some might say seasons, you know, playoffs are on the line here. Um, do you want to move over to uh, Code One here? As, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. what happens first? They post the net suffering their their first L or LPP picking up the first W. I mean, you know, if we'd have to look at the schedules and open those up, I would. Um, but ad lib, I'd have to say. What happens first? Probably LPP uh, picks up their first win because I don't see Le Parcinet losing. Uh, that that's a machine of a team right now, sitting at four and zero. But if I you know quickly look at Le Parcinet's schedule, um, so they play IG team next, who are you know ailing without uh, Jeans Lee there on the team. Uh, so that's n- not a loss happening. Then you 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 move on over to March fourth, right? Plenty of fish. Maybe it could come there, uh, if not easy fun. So you're looking at a March 4th, March 10th uh, possibility for a loss, if not March 17th against Party Mix versus LPP, you know, sitting at 0-3. Uh, tough loss against the uh, the very uh, Porcinet this past week. Uh, they have a battle against Easy Fun February 18th, Party Mix, IG Team. So, you know, they're, they're playing the same teams. Easy Fun, Party Mix, very tough teams. 
So the win could come uh, March 10th against IG team. So I'm going to go with uh, LPP picking up uh, a win first before uh, Porcina get a loss. Last question before we get to our, our boy, the Italian style and Raph Morelli. Um, you speaking to Seth Galina, does seating matter in co-ed one? Yeah, so we were we you know we were in conversation and uh, we were intrigued with the co-ed one teams and the co-ed one uh, how 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 close it is right the parity in co-ed one and he he threw out a last comment out there as we were saying goodbye uh, he said I don't think seating matters that much so I, I don't know Mo what's your take do you do you think the seating even matters like the teams does. are so even yeah 100% it does. It does. It's all matchup dependent. You don't want to end up in a bad matchup in the first round and, and you scrape but, by barely to get in to the next round. But, you want to have but, the easiest matchup at first and kind of build yourself up towards that big game if you make it to the CE1 final in Broadstart in early May. But you just said it. It's matchup dependent. So just because you're the number one seed, if you're playing the sixth seed, let's just say, I, I believe first two seeds get a bye, but let's just play it out this way. If you're the number one seed and you're playing against the sixth seed and the sixth seed is a bad, bad matchup, well, the, the number one seed didn't win you anything. It just, it, it, if it's all about matchups and it's matchup dependency, then the seeding doesn't matter. You just, you, you, so you're contradicting yourself here, Mo. <laughs> Yeah, you win some, you lose some. That's how I look. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if anything, starting on you know on on uh, on defense to start <laughs> the game and starting the second half with the uh, with the ball is is the advantage there, and you know not wearing any stinky pennies if uh, if uh, if you're the higher seed. But uh, I always wash my pennies. No, yeah, no, no, no. But yes, you yes That's you nice. wash them. Yes, I know you do. Here at, what if yeah. what if my game's at ten o'clock and 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 this happened and Raf Morelli waiting in the wings knows exactly this in the Division Four uh, playoffs last year that I I was <laughs> playing at ten o'clock and I saw a six p.m. seven p.m. and eight p.m. all games where the pennies were worn and then I was playing at nine p.m. Uh, and my opponent had to wear those pennies that had been previously worn for well, three let's games. Bring them in now. Let's bring him in now, the Italian stallion, uh, Raf Morelli. Raf, uh, your experiences is penny, with pennies are what like? Are they are they enjoyable? Are they disgusting? Uh, do you just endure them as you go through the game, or what? We can hear you. Yeah, loud we hear you. Friend. Yeah. Okay. Pennies are uh, a definite no, Mo. Definite no. Smelly, um, a, heavy. Yeah. Uh, just a lot of just just a lot of that stuff that yeah. you don't want to be wearing while you're while you're definitely in a playoff game definitely not yeah that's it do you have a least favorite penny right because there's you said that you said a keyword you said heavy some of yeah, them are those, heavier those than others reversible <laughs> white and dark ones are uh you know the, the, those green ones that are not too bad those ones kind of go unnoticed but those uh those reversible heavy uh heavy pennies are are definitely at the top of my do not wear list <laughs> yeah. right, well, where are you are you in your room or you're in the main in the no i'm in my room i'm uh, I, I know you can't see me on the wall but uh though that's that's my little shrine over there no come on Dan, Dan, Dan wishes he had these trophies. Dan, if you hear me, I know you don't possess any of these. <laughs> <laughs> what are those? What those are, those are? Our TAC or FPF trophies? Uh, I have I have both my DPOI uh, FPF, but the really big ones is a Cougar Pride trophy. 
Oh, he definitely doesn't have those three, three trophies. <laughs> That's facts. That's facts over there. All right, let, let's dive into it, Raph. Um, at this point of the season, do you have more qu- questions about cap-friendly Braves or silent ticklers, the two best teams right now in Div 2? Uh, they both have definitely been playing really well. Um, when it comes down to who I have more questions about, I think it has to be silent ticklers just because we know who the Braves are and, and what they're all about. Basically one of the best teams we've ever seen in, in FPF. Uh, you know, silent ticklers have been playing really well, but then again, they've beaten opponents that have, a I think like a three and eight combined, a win loss record. So I think I still need to see a little bit more from them. And they, I think they tied skills B's and lost to bless up who are like, you know, one of the top three teams in division two. So definitely, definitely silent ticklers are the team uh, that I have more questions about in comparison to cap friendly Braves. They're almost uh, the only question I really have about cap friendly Braves is who's going to be on the roster that night. Uh, other than that, they, they're really just a complete team. And if Joe Meyer is under center, you can guarantee they'll win almost 90% of their games, regardless of who their opponents are. So, you know, comparing those two, uh, the quarterbacks, right? Joe Mayer, Jordan Panetta, um, is, is, you know, is maybe Jordan Panetta one of the question marks? If you are just comparing those two teams head to head, uh, you know, is, is that maybe one of the question marks if those two teams meet in the playoffs? And then what would you consider uh, Jordan Panetta to do better than something that Joe Mayer does in his skill set. Is there anything that that stands out for Jordan Panetta to you? Uh, obviously, when when comparing both of them, if you really had to choose um, who to be under center, you're you're choosing Joe Mayer, one of the quarter, best quarterbacks in in the whole nation, right? Um, but but Jordan is is a really good quarterback. Uh, somebody who's rushed both of them. Um, they're both not fun to to rush against, and something that that Jordan does do better than Joe is buying extra time with his feet. Um, even though uh, Joe hasn't been sacked at all this season in, in division two and Jordan, I think five or six uh, Jordan is able to, to use his feet and extend plays better than, than Joe. I find uh, Joe Meyer is more of a quick passing, good reads, accurate thrower. He, he can do everything well. Um, and, and, and really good and effective. But I think if, if you're looking at what Jordan can do better than Joe, it's definitely rolling out of the pocket, buying time. I, I think he has a little bit more speed uh, than Joe Meyer. So I think that uh, I think that that's really what separates uh, one aspect of his game from Joe's. Um, so right now, Raph, if you get to pick on February 15th, uh, we're, th- we're less than three months away from the final. Either CFB or the Ticklers making the finals or both making the finals right now? Uh, I think Cap Friendly Braves have the best chance out of the two uh, to make the finals. Uh, I do want to see a little bit more from Silent Ticklers and see if they're able to beat uh, really good teams in the division. Uh, I think they have uh, a big game coming up really soon. Uh, the next question can, for the ticklers, right? That can, yeah, that can, th- yeah, that can really, that can really separate and and decide, you know, if they're going to be in the, the the top of this division or if they're just kind of going to hang around the bottom. You know, they still have to play Mangoose and our uh, and Cap Friendly Braves April 9th. So I think that'll give us a good uh, a good indication on on how good this team actually is. Do you have any confidence that Hashtag and Art can pull off the upset over ticklers this weekend? 
Uh, I think they could absolutely. They're a good team. They've been around for a long time. Um, but honestly, they they have to do a couple of things better all season if if they really want to have more wins than losses. I think they're sitting at two and two right now, and yeah. and and I think that's that's kind of where they'll stay unless they get a better quarterback pressure. I think they've gone through four games at two and two, and they've only had one sack. Uh, I know the higher divisions uh, is really hard to get sacks. Uh, division one and two, especially quarterbacks, uh, read the field much better. They tend to run a lot less, but one sack is kind of difficult to work with. Uh, you know that it, it's kind of a drive killer for an offense if you get sacked. So I think uh, th that's kind of your best your best defense in the in the higher divisions, especially when playing really experienced quarterbacks where they're not going to throw it into harm's way and, and actually cause a turnover. I think sacks is one of the, the best ways that you can actually kill a drive uh, on defense. And their converts have been atrocious. I think they're like four for 16, uh, something like that on converts. So I think one of their last <sighs> games were really, were really close. And if you're not getting any converts in games, it's impossible to win every close matchup. You'll lose every single one. In four games, if you're only getting one convert a game, it's not going to cut it. Yeah, no, that's that's really tough. The four for uh, for sixteen is not a good conversion rate. And and you know what, Raf, I definitely agree with you with the sack, man. If if you have to convert, you know, third and fifteen or fourth and and twelve, thirteen, that's a lot harder than you know a fourth and seven or even a third and ten situation. So, uh, yeah, definitely sacks don't come often but when they do they uh they can uh they can set back an offense at least for one drive and that could be the difference in division one and two games right um what uh raf what are your thoughts uh if you you know taking a look at ambush here uh after four games uh have they underachieved what were your expectations for them uh what do you think about ambush here I don't think they've necessarily underachieved uh, now at two and two. And I do think both their losses came to uh, undefeated teams in Mangoose and Cat Friendly Braves. So really, unless your expectation was for them to be number one or number two seed and almost undefeated, I think they've been doing pretty good. Uh, my expectation for them was to be close to top five. And I, I think it's still a little bit early, you know, with the longer season, it's kind of harder to gauge as, as teams have different amount of games played and their wins and losses don't always correlate. But uh, I think they've been playing really well. I played against them not long ago with Poseidon's Kiss and uh, they have they have a lot of really good players. Ben is a really good quarterback. One of the fastest guys I've ever rushed in my life always gives me problems. Uh, They've got James Drysdale, Quasey, like they really have ballers on this squad. And I think they can, I think they could, they could go really far in the playoffs. Obviously losing to arguably the other two best teams in the, in the division doesn't really help your case to, you know, say you can make it all the way. But then again, uh, anything can happen in the playoffs and they have really good players. So I don't think they've been underachieving. I think they're, they're, they're exactly where I expected them to be. A final question for Div 2. Uh, Monday Night Football, we got Bless Up, Mangoose. Who is this game more important for? Uh, I think it's more important for Mangoose just because uh, Bless Up has always been a really good team in Division 2, II, Division 1. Uh, Stephen Harapersad, one of the one of the great quarterbacks uh, that we have in the league. So I think it's really important for Mangoose to win this game and prove that, that they're a contender. And also, I think that would bring them to... 4-0, 5-0, and, 0, 5 and 0. 
And I'm yeah, pretty sure that their schedule kind of eases up uh, after this one. So they can get to like 6-0, and 7-0 really quickly and start creating some separation if they're able to take down uh, Bless Up, Stephen Harpersad, and Squad. All right, we'll uh, we'll shift over to uh, to Division One here with uh, with uh, Ralph Morelli. Uh, I am Iggy Magnets, Mo Khan here on calling the audible. Um, oh, Iggy, 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 it's the yes, Italian yes. stallion, Ralph Morelli. Oh, there you go, the Italian stallions <laughs> uh, with us here on calling the audible. Uh, Ralph, Division One, always interesting. Uh, let's look at top of the standings here with the Jamesons. How confident are you that the Jamesons can hold on to the top spot here? Uh, they defeated the Braves, uh, but maybe uh, could Royam Lumina uh, pull off the biggest win of the seasons over the Jamesons? So uh, how confident are you in, uh, in the Jamesons here? So Division One is really interesting this season as we have more teams than, than usual uh, in Division One in the winter. Um, the Jamesons are such a good team, and, and I really like... Uh, I really like everything about them. Uh, they're, they're a good squad. Unfortunately, I'm not very confident that they can hold on to that number one spot. Uh, you know, Jeff Rosenblatt, a really great quarterback, makes great reads. Um, but they only have uh, – I, I, they're undefeated right now, but the teams on their tail are only at, like, one loss. Uh, they do have a good head-to-head wins, I think. I think Flagmois and the Braves. Uh, but they haven't really been able to pull away from the division yet. And uh, I think that's really going to get decided week nine uh, when they play the All-Stars. The All-Stars are just one game behind them right now. And, uh, and I think it, it, it might come down to that game right there to see who gets that, that head-to-head matchup. And uh, if, they're able to stay, if they're able to stay undefeated until week nine, that's, that's definitely the, the game of the season for Division One in that number one spot. How many wins for, for first place in this division then, in your mind? Nine. Nine and a half. nine, really? Yeah, definitely. Because uh, everybody's beating each other, right? You have uh, Braves beating Flagmaw, Flagmaw beating the All-Stars. And if the All-Stars beat the Jameson, you kind of just get a, a mishmash of, of, of wins and losses around here. So I think it's it's really going to come down to, to, to eight or nine wins uh, when, when it all comes down to it. There, You might have the first three seeds all tied at nine wins, but depending on head-to-head and, 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 and however we, we, we deal with the tiebreaker from then, is that's really going to decide the the seating in Division One? Are, are you still holding judgment on, on Maroons until they face the All Stars and Flag Sack? They're right now at two and one in fourth place, kind of lurking but not really a threat yet. Uh, you know the team really has a lot of talented players like Raf Dajne, uh, Tamvile Def, Anthony Van Dram. But at one and two, uh, sorry, two and one, and losing to the only team that has a, a above five hundred record. Uh, it it kind of makes me wonder how they would fare against the top teams like like All Stars and Flagmoi. Um, you know, I, I spoke to Tam about this team. You know, he's excited that that they're all playing together again. Uh, but really, I, I I can't say they're one of the top teams in the division yet, just because uh, just because simply because of that. I need to see them play against the top talent that we have in the division to really say, yeah, they're they're a contender for this one. Yeah, I mean, that's going to come, you know, uh, other than All-Stars in Week 8 uh, and Flag Sack in Week 10, it's really going to come on the back half of their schedule, right? You got them fi- finishing their season with Ble- against Blessed, uh, Royaume Luminaire, and Braves, right? So maybe they go into the playoffs 
you know, if they, man, if they can go three and zero, you know, steamrolling into the playoffs, that could be a team that uh, that that comes in hot. But yeah, for now, you know, the slow start to the season season schedule wise, right? Only three games in the first seven weeks. Uh, so yeah, it's a, maybe a little too uh, too early to tell for them. Um, what do you think though about uh, about party crashers here uh, in Division One? Maroons uh, beating them thirty to nineteen in uh, in week number one. Um, I, they've been in a lot of close matchups here. Are, is it you know just a bad bounce here or there? Is it a bit of luck not going their way, or or is there something fundamentally wrong with this team? So I do think party crashers are better than their their one three and one record. Um... You know, you always need a little bit of luck uh, when it comes to football, like you saw in the Super Bowl, the bounce off the ankle. Like sometimes it really comes down to that. But I can't really say that they've been unlucky other than their last game against KGP, where I think Fred Dupree threw for like 350, seven touchdowns and no picks (laughs) and still lost by two. Like, I guess you could say that's unlucky when you play that well and still lose. But other than that, uh, I think they scored like 19 and 26 in, in a tie and a loss. And for Division One, that's definitely not enough scoring or, or offensive output for you to really say, like, oh, we should have had that one. You know, like 19 points is really not enough. And I think the tie with Ryan Dumilaire, they didn't have 26 scored on offense. They had 19 or 20 and a pick six that tied the game. So really, I think their offense has to do much better uh, if they want to if they want to be even competing in these games and, and, and start getting some wins. So, no, I, I don't think they've necessarily been unlucky. Uh, I think their offense needs to step up, uh, step up their game and just put up more points uh, if, if they want really want to start racking up their wins. Uh, before I let you go, Raf, uh, what do you have lined up for us in the uh, writing world of your uh, author skills that you have going on right now? Um, so uh, usually, uh, when I write, I try to stay off of uh, my team as a topic, but in division two, Poseidon's kiss is oh and four. Uh, so I've been thinking of sitting down with Don Benevento this week and, uh, trying to get a few, a little bit of an interview and insight into, uh, what's really wrong with Poseidon's kiss and how we went from winning division B last spring to being oh and four and haven't, we can't even really, can't even buy a win. Uh, this 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 winter so far and uh yeah i think that's that's more or less my focus for for this week and uh kind of do a little bit of a little bit of a super bowl recap see what uh see what the nfl has in store and 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 what just happened not long ago and uh yeah that's that that's about it so far um really enjoying writing for division two and division one so far this year uh really interesting divisions lots of action Lots of stuff yeah. to cover, uh, especially like I said, with the with the influx of teams in Division One, I, I think it really makes it uh, it really makes it interesting, and and it's nice to see more teams willing to play and and different quarterbacks like Gensley and Jared, uh, you know, coming into coming into the top divisions. More importantly, though, we've been asked this question: Do we need to bring about the Seth Barardi Paisan of the Week award? <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for it, really. It's oh. since last spring that you told me it's going to come back. And here we are, 2024, and I still have none since We, since we can do it with you every week. We can do the Paisan of the Week with you every week. <laughs> Sounds good. Just, just, uh, we'll put it in on our, uh, we'll put it on the calendar. 
All right, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll talk. We'll have our people we talk go. to your people. Figure it out here, and, and we'll we'll get that going <laughs> yeah. for sure. Uh, Rob, thanks so script. much, man. Appreciate it, brother, as always, with your work and stuff, and your commitment to the league and all. I uh, look forward to your next article coming out soon, my friend. Thank you very much, guys. Awesome. Be good, good night, Ralph. All right, Ralph Morelli, the Italian Stallion, man. I told Zara, I go, we have on the, the Mahomes of the Italian Stallion. He's like, me, bro, I'm the real Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, well, with the trophies there, the with the trophies there, uh, you know, we'd rather maybe have a Raph on here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Raph's got more silverware than Lazara does from FBS. Exactly. That's, that's fact. In fact, I think Lazara's only won one team trophy, I believe. Uh, which was the uh, spring season, was it not? Or uh, a few or 20, 2021 or twenty twenty two? Yeah, it's a yeah. distant memory now. Yeah. All right, we're All right. Uh, <laughs> we're traveling to Division three here. We're, we're going to Div three, my friend. All right. Um, All right. Look at it now, Iggs. Uh, lightweight, they're undefeated, four zero. Uh, are they a, a serious Div three contender? I don't see why not. I mean, you have one of the better quarterbacks in the division. 22, I believe 22 touchdowns, zero interceptions. One of the only quarterbacks, I mean, that's thrown like 50 or more passes without an interception on the season. Uh, you have a high-powered offense uh, with Simon Dagenet throwing the ball uh, to, you know, five receivers deep on, on, on this team. Uh, you, you saw it on Saturday night. I mean, Beer Belly Brigade, whether it's a running quarterback or a passing quarterback, uh, you know, any team that has a running dual threat QB like uh, BBB does with Alex Fafardia, Francois Ugg, uh, rushing him and, and neutralizing, you know, 30% of their game plan, which is uh, Fafard taking off on long runs and picking up first downs. So, I mean defensively you know I, I like what they what they what they show they what they present uh taking the ball away from opposing offenses you know handling friends with danny quite easily uh so yeah i mean this team why not they, they have potential i was a bit concerned on saturday when they played um uh, why is that it's a fox team uh yeah beer belly beer belly okay i think i think dying bougie for whatever reason why, why uh, but they're worried? in the same division too but that division is tough. I mean, it's it's loaded with talent. I think you can have four, maybe five teams to that division alone qualify for the playoffs. I don't think they'll be undefeated. I think they'll be uh, a seven-win team, maybe eight. Um, but they they have the the pieces in place to be a contender in Div three. But again, it's a question of of will they be challenged? And they they were given an indirect indirect challenge from Beer Belly Brigade. They get infantry coming up, and then they go against your Kiss by In Laws uh, early March. And then after that, the girl cock, sharks, uh, dirty birds, and diamond bougie. So really, there's probably three, maybe four tough games left on their schedule out of six. So I, I think they can win seven, maybe eight if it really falls their way. And they do have that explosive ability. Emil Gugog is a really good receiver that no one really knows about in this league yet. Uh, and he does a lot for them. Juwan Edshill, Jaden Edshill, the brothers have really found their groove so far. Uh, Trey Bentley has not been really utilized as often as he wants. But I think once they figure out how to get him more involved in his role, I think they definitely have a good chance to be in that conversation and being that elite team if it really falls their way. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was rattling off the the stats of Simon Dagenet and the receivers like you just did. But yeah, you can argue that the first, the front half of their schedule was you know, weaker and that, uh, you know, we, we just looked at it now. The back half of that schedule is a lot more competitive, you know, 
you have the Sharks, the Dirty Birds, uh, Diamond Bougies. These are teams that have gone to the finals and won, you know, Division C, the Sharks. Uh, Dirty Birds made it to the finals in Tier 2. Diamond Bougie, you know, two or three final appearances already. Uh, Kiss My In-Laws have, you know, won championships, gone to the finals. So, yeah, this this definitely is the back half of their schedule. You're saying they can go 7-3. and three. They could lose three or four games. So... Yeah, seven and three, six and four is not out of the realm, but there's still. That being said, there's in my eyes, that's a, it's a still a contending team in Division Three. They're not going to get blown out of the water in those games in the back half of the schedule. So on the flip side, bigger disappointment: Green Deal, Green Deal Human Beings or Millions of Indizian? I mean, it doesn't it have to be Greendale Human Beings? I mean. This is a team that I believe went to the semifinals last year. If not, was they weren't in the finals. No, they must have been in the in the semifinals then that they lost. Um, yeah. Versus Minions and Pigdasian. I mean, that's a Division Four team coming up and testing the waters in Division Three. So yeah, sure, they're they're you know they have one win so far. Uh, Minions do, but. That's to be expected. Division three is a big step up for Matt Zabatelli. You know, uh, you'll you'll see a, a new Division three article coming out uh, in in the coming days here. But uh, that's that's you know a, a ballsy move by him. You know, he's challenging himself, and that's great. But it's it's got to be Greendale human beings seeing how they've had success in the past in Division three and now sitting out one and four. Yeah, I agree. I think Greendale has really been a disappointment. I scored kept the game a few a couple weeks ago against uh, Mongoose, where they got crushed thirty eight to six. wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've, I mean, aside from the Brotherhood win, uh, they've they've not been that impressive, and they're they're missing a piece. I don't know what it is that they're missing right now. You know, with that easy W loss that they had, uh, where they lost by twenty seven. Yeah, uh, it has not been uh, as enjoyable in this ecosystem of theirs, and I have to wonder right moving forward what they can do to kind of remedy this issue. And again, like uh, this is a team that's been together for a long time. Danny Elward is a good quarterback, but for whatever reason, he's had a very unlike uh, Danny Elward success this year of the TD to INT ratio. So I don't know is where they can solve this. And at this point of the year, at the halfway point, they got to put together some wins because as tight as this playoff format will be, which will, which we will release in the coming weeks here, uh, they may sneak in. And if they do sneak in, they might be a one and done. And not had that same success that they had going on a deep playoff run from a year or two uh, seasons ago. Yeah, I mean, they have a unique offense, right? It's a slight, slight version or a, like a Joey Taylor light version of, of the offense. Uh, and when teams pick up on it and they know how to stop it, uh, that's when you see 18 TDs and, and seven interceptions, right? 18 TDs, not bad. I mean, in five games, it's not great either. And seven, TD, uh, seven INTs in five games, yeah, that, that means teams are, you know, when they take away what you do well and there's no second or third option behind that, that's, yeah, that's when you see, you know, the struggles uh, continue to pile up here what, sitting at one and four. Uh, bigger game this weekend for Sharks or Infantry. It's a, a team, these are two teams that have a lot of connections within each other. So who needs this game more, eggs? I mean, are they playing each other? Is <laughs> my first question. Um, so, Sharks, you know, 
I'm a little. I'm just trying to find them here. I'm sitting at one, one and two. two right now. They're both one and two. I mean, yeah, I I I would have seen these three, these two teams either sitting at three and zero oh or two and one at least. Um, hmm, that's a that's an interesting question. Uh, I mean, I, I'm gonna go with like a fifty fifty split right down the middle. That it's just as important for both teams. Um. Yeah, I, it's literally it's it's a coin toss for me. Uh, you want to see more out of Corey Wolowski right now for for the Sharks? Uh, you know, ninety one uh, points in three games. I mean, you're averaging thirty points a game. It's not bad, but you would rather be you know hovering in the you know games with forty points like they did in uh, in week one against Mongoose. Um, I, I want to see, you know, bigger distribution of the ball like I know Corey Walwaski can do, right? We know Jalen Greaves is a, what, hit their, definitely their best receiver, uh, but targeting, you know, one receiver 25 times and then your second best receiver 20 times means all Division three defenses have to go two defenders deep, right? And in Division three, it's 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 where you almost can't afford any weak links on defense. You need to be four to five defenders deep in, in by Division three. And if the only way to attack that is, uh, or for teams that don't have that depth on defense, is to utilize every piece on your offense and spread the ball out. And for me, uh, Corey Walwaski is not doing that enough. So I think. You know, slightly, again, it's a coin flip, but slightly a little more. Uh, I want to see some diversif- diversification from the Sharks. Yeah, the, the many can expand itself for options, but uh, I, I think the pressure's on the infantry. Um, Zach Stacey's off to a good start. I mean, you know, it's it's what it is uh, so far. I know Sean Simurgeon did throw, uh, but he's got some weapons to work with, right? Nick DiMalo, uh, you talk about the Simurgeon brothers. Um, these are all good pass catchers. Ethan agents had a decent season, but he's been, he's known more for his pass rushing skills. As we all know, one of the up and coming pass rushers in this league playing div one now with five sacks. But I think the pressure's on uh, infantry to come up with a win because after this game, Iggs, they played lightweight friends with Danny Bruins brotherhood. And that's before you get to the final two games, right? Which is against, that's what she said in, in wide open bars. So if they're going to really get going here, this is a big win. This is a big game for them where if they get a big win, that might open up their confidence level to say we can take on any team, uh, whether it is uh, uh, an infantry, uh, whether infantry plays a uh, Simo Dajane-led team, lightweight, or whoever else they have on the schedule in the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, yeah. any I can slice that any way as well. I mean, yeah. Uh, like I said, it's 50-50. I, I see your argument. It's compelling. Uh, it's going to be definitely, it's a great battle. That's uh, a broadside at 8 o'clock. I'll, uh, I'll be tuning into that one for sure. On TNT or on, uh, on Fox? Uh, more like CBC. Yeah, I know. I know the, the FPF uh, streaming channels have gone uh, awry sometimes. <laughs> you know, the, the, the Instagram live over there. Uh, Arush, uh, they're going to be off until the end of February. Um, so the uh, unorthodox schedule we had this year. Uh, but their final four games are, are pretty tough. Do you think they have a chance to get first place? And if they go 0-4, are they in trouble for the playoffs? Because right now, Iggs, uh, they have played the most games in Div 3 and are into the final four of their schedule. I mean, yeah. I mean... I don't think they have a realistic chance at first, uh, sitting at 500 just to start off. So no, 
And then, my God, I was just looking at the back half of their schedule. It seems like the back half of many teams' schedule is a lot harder than their first half. But, uh, I mean, again, rattle off the teams, Bruins, Dirty Birds, Minions of McDaisian, which, you know, we talked about them, you know, a few minutes ago. But that was a tough out against, I played them this past week. We won. I won. Our team won on the final play of the game. It was in. We were in a tie game with them. So, just because they're sitting at one and three doesn't mean you know it's a bad team. Uh, they definitely have some playmakers. So, so don't count them out against Arush. Uh, and then uh, they face Kiss My In Laws. So, there's a chance that 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 Arush go zero and four, and there's a chance that at three and seven, I mean, you look at the division three standings, Mo, three and seven might not make you into the you know a playoff team uh right now the teams that are just sit on the inside looking out infantry with one win and sharks right sharks greendale and blue chips and dirty birds all with one win so but but the thing is dirty birds sharks and infantry have only played five uh, three games so you know they pick up a win in just to match the number of games uh that arush has which is six so if they pick up just even one win in the next three games, that's already a big advantage that they have over uh, over Arush. So before we get to the next uh, division here, uh, Arush played six games in the first 27 days of this league schedule. They will have played after that four games in the next 64 days before playoffs were <laughs> to begin. Oh, that's not kind to the uh, <laughs> to the. No, no I mean entry. they'll be well rested, but I mean four into sixty-four, uh, that is a, what? That's one game for every sixteen days. Yeah, one game every two weeks. So yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's pretty. But but then you factor in this point here. So they'll play Feb twenty-eighth and March fourth. So back-to-back weeks. Then March thirteenth. So that's three in, in that window. But then they won't play till March thirtieth for the last game after March thirteenth. So. So mm-hmm. four and sixty-four because if you qualify for playoffs, which I believe is April twelfth, is when they would begin. That would be sixty-four days from today until we hit that April uh, open week in the playoffs in mid-May, mid-April. I beg your pardon. So interesting stats, days, and stats with Mo here. Yeah, hey, look, man, it's it's four games, sixty-four days is unheard of. It's uncharacteristic in this league. Yeah, but it's yeah. because of the schedule that we have this year. All right, on to Div Six, Iggs. Um, so I, I've scored a, couple, uh, a few Div 6 games, so I've, I've kept in tune with it so far this okay. season. Um, I'm surprised with the team. The Devil and that. Um, Brent and I spoke about these guys, Brent Bach and the Div 6 uh, uh, article writer for this season. And so they get outclassed by Pigeons a couple of weeks ago at Loyola, which you were in Orlando for. And they beat mm-hmm. Mid- Meat Fiddlers, your boys. So what do we make of uh, talk about that vet? Are they for real or still in that we don't know yet stage? Uh, they're they're not in the we don't know yet stage. Uh, they have one of the best uh, rushers in the division, uh, and in when you have a elite and Vincent Balulo is exactly that an elite pass rusher. In Division Six, where a lot of quarterbacks struggle to move the ball with their arm and rely on their legs to pick up first downs and touchdowns, Vincent Belulo is the ultimate neutralizer of Division Six offenses. So right there, you're already considering them a top five. You, it's not even crazy to say top three team, but let's just you know let's let 
Vince Belulo and his rush passing abilities make them a top five team right there. And then add the receivers uh, on this team. Uh, not only in terms of experience, these guys know, you know, the depth of routes, how to, you know, run routes against the zone versus man coverage. And, and even add their new piece on offense here, Philippe Barros, n- not only playing in Coed 1, playing in Division 3 with EZW and that franchise. So he's getting that higher level experience uh, already with 324 yards, eight touchdowns. He's a force to be reckoned with. So already the receiving core, definitely very strong. And you get a, you know, competent enough quarterback in Rafael Caron. And this becomes what you get with five games into the season, sitting at four and one, you know, a rusty loss uh, against uh, Pigeons, which, you know, those those games happen. uh, But definitely not surprised to see them, you know, shut down Manny Bezogius, who likes to scramble uh, when when that's not available. 30 to 18 is what happens. You have one player on that team. That's it. You said it right there. That's it. That's all they have. That's all they have. And and they're four and one. They didn't impress me against pigeons. They got outplayed by the pigeons. They got they got bleeped on by the by the pigeons. Let's put it that way, right? And <laughs> and I think for meat fiddlers, that's a bit of a shocking loss for them to lose as they did when many thought they'd be one of the favorites in this division. So I think there's a lot of questions that still have to be answered from Turbo now that and from even me fiddlers moving towards the next half of games here. But a team that's really caught my attention though is the is, is Mortadells. Um, could they be hitting their stride after a big win over Winded Warriors at Hibera on Wednesday night? So what makes you say that? Is there, you know, something that you saw in their game? Because, yeah. you know, Winded Warriors, uh, I believe, yeah, sitting at 0-5 without a win here, uh, you know, only 32 points on offense. So, you know, hitting their stride with a big win over Winded Warriors. Maybe you're stretching that that sentence out, but uh, it, you know, forget that victory. Was there something else that you know you saw in their game that makes you ask that question? Yeah, I think their defense is is sneaky good. They're they're aggressive. They they're fast. They're quick out of the out of the breaks. Uh, this is a team now, I believe, that has uh, over ten ints. Um, they have a good pass rusher as well, and Jack uh, Chiravella, who had a really good game against Winded Warriors. And I think the one thing they might have to answer is this quarterback play: who's going to be the one guy? Uh, Chiravella and uh, Vitali, Matthew Vitali, both kind of alternated at that point. Uh, but look, they they can put up points uh, against the, the 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 best of them. I know they lost Speak Easy by nineteen, lost to Top One Navet by six. But you look at the next window. They get Skull, which is undefeated right now at 3-0, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. If they beat Skull, I think they're in that conversation. Eggs, and that game is not is not for another week, week and a half from now, and 10 days from now to be exact. So they go into March. If they can get upwards to, say, 3-3 three and three going to March towards the final four games, yeah, I, I think they can somehow get to six and if it really bounces their way. Yeah, it's definitely a team, you know, that's, you know, Division six so huge that they're kind of muddled in the middle. Uh, but if you're, you know, you're, it sounds like you're putting an asterisk next to their name just to check this team out, see uh, that they they could pose problems uh, for teams like you said, like in like Skull. If they do come out with a convincing uh, victory over Skull, then yes, uh, I'll definitely uh, join that asterisk bandwagon. 
Uh, cheat squad, they're four and one. How the bleep are they four and one? I, I've score kept their games. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they do. I don't know what they do well to to be four and one. It's a lot of backyard football, right? It's a lot of here's a one yard hook, go and take it. Here's a forty yard bomb pass. 50-50, is he going to catch a touchdown? Is it going to be a pick? Is it going to be an incomplete? Maybe 30-30-30. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're athletic. They they have good hands. They, they need a system in place, right? They need these games in the regular season to work on six to seven plays and make sure you can execute those plays to the best of everyone's ability. See, you know, read the field well uh, if you're William Gillespie. You know, nine TD, seven INTs doesn't necessarily suggest that's his forte. Uh, 465 yards in four games. <laughs> Seems like the, the offense is muddled and muddied by the passing game, but it's definitely through the running game that that his ability to get open and, and gain extra yards, rush three rushing touchdowns in that one game, has now racked up 163 yards on the run. So definitely a dual threat quarterback. Um, and defensively, Dominic Widener, right? Four interceptions. He's the leader on that defensive side of the ball. But guys like Tristan Boyer, Ryan Kesnell, they're big, solid guys with great you know instincts and hands. And that's, you know, usually dangerous in Division Six, where offenses tend to struggle just like theirs. And it's usually defenses and those better defenses' ability to take the ball away and get extra possessions to get, try and get more points on the board are usually the teams that do a little better. So far, so good for uh, Cheat Squad. We'll know, we'll know better about them when they play uh, Free Agent Squad on the 25th of February. Yeah. We'll know by then if they're, if they're legit four and one if not maybe five and one team if they do pull off the win over them like so I, i'm still on that fence about them i don't know how they're four and one and yet here they are four and one potentially controlling their destiny to being a, a higher end seed in div six as well but at three and oh school um how intrigued are you by this team because they do have a big one coming up for them um this week but they could maybe run the table in div six at this point yeah, I, I first saw Skull, hmm, I want to say the spring season. I, I could be mistaken and uh, might have been the fall. Um, I definitely like what I've, what I've seen from this team. And, and when I saw this team register and add some of the pieces that they did uh, in Vincent Amel, you know, touchdown leader for, for the team right now, uh, and Hugo Stenslin, uh, you know, I'm, that's the only thing with this team. I'm just not sure who's the full-time quarterback. It does appear to be Hugo, um, but, you know, is it because Francis Dumontier is only there one to two games, hasn't been committed, is, you know, the better option at receiver? I definitely don't think that. Hugo's one of the better snappers. Even in Division 4, Division 5, he's uh, had success with our with our boy David D'Andrade. Um, so... I, I, I'm just not sure about who's the quarterback and who they think the quarterback is. Are they, you know, maybe going with a first half quarterback and see how he does right now, seven TDs, five INTs begs the question to, uh, is this team going to go through a quarterbacking switch or are they going to ride the wave and let him, you know, gain experience? Um, but definitely all the, the receivers definitely have the 
ability, the skills, the speed. They're they a good size of a uh, good mix, sorry, of size, speed, hands, which you, I love to see in offenses. Uh, and defensively, uh, look, the, as, as a unit, five, seven, uh, eight, nine interceptions already uh, through the three games that they've played. So they're, you know, stopping getting turnovers three times a game and setting their offense up to put even more points on the board. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I like what this team has done in the past and what they've added so far in the winter. I'm on, I'm hold, I'm on hold right now. They get uh, win the Warriors, which should be a win for them Monday. Um, they'll be 4-0 going against the Mortadels on the 25th of February. Um, I, I think they have a good core in place, but I don't know if they're a, like a true legitimate threat because their schedule has been... I mean, it has been hard. I mean, I mean, they beat Salt and Peppers, which is a pretty good team. But, you know, this next window of games isn't as hard. So they could be 7-0 by the time we hit mid-March, by the time it's St. Patty's Day weekend. And and it might be one of those teams, eggs where they might be like 7-3, 8-2, but might be one and done in the playoffs. Yeah, we see that often in, uh, in Division 6. As uh, Thank you for buying some time there, Mo. We see that often in Division 6, you know, 7-3, 8-2, uh, teams getting bounced early on. You think that's that team? I think they can win a playoff game. And then, you know, division uh, round two and round three of the playoffs, always very difficult. So I, I could see them winning their first game, their first playoff game. And then, you know, once you reach round two and round three, I would need more information about them from the regular season to see how well and how far this team can go. They could get bounced. Absolutely, they could. I'm, I'm more, if I had to say it today, call something for round one, I'd say they'd win their round one playoff game. All right. Finally, eggs very quickly here. Uh, words of advice for the teams who are winless right now on how to get better. Uh, win the Warriors, I mean, it's the first season here, but they've, they've taken a, uh, a a schoolyard beating at times here in terms of the fact that they've not been able to get going with offense defense here. And they've been asking. They, they, they're a good group of guys that have asked questions. Uh, Jafan Hassan, Hassan was trying to explain to them some, some nuances as well. So any words of advice for those teams who are going through a rut that's trying to grow and get better game by game? I mean... I'll speak for the offense. Maybe you can take the defense, uh, seeing as you're an all-star rusher and you're past your prime. Um, I'll take the offense. There you go. Uh, Div 1 wasn't wasn't what it used to be. Um, Yeah, offensively, I'd say keep it simple. Uh, You're probably, I know I did, uh, you're probably running 20 plays in your playbook. Definitely way too many. Cut that out uh, to an hour down to five or six plays that you find work. Now, what are those plays? They should generally be, well, I mean, one of them should just be all hooks. So that's already one of your six. Uh, simplify the playbook and stay short. Keep the plays, and this this doesn't just go for Winded Warriors as we see their team page here, but just all, all the struggling teams in Division 6. Stop taking deep shots on first down, second down, and third down, and then forcing a punt uh, yourself into a punting situation, right? Uh, get the ball in your receiver's hands, even if it's a one-yard hook. People miss flags on defense. I can guarantee you that a one-yard hook will get you three yards before a defender is anywhere near you, maybe three, four yards even, and then... You know, if if a defender misses your flag, you're gaining another three to seven yards. 
already at seven plus three, you're already at your 10-yard first down. Remember, it's 10 yards to a first down. You do not need to get all the yards in one play. If you set yourself up for a third and two, then it's it's a lot easier to hit than scrambling around in the backfield, losing yards for a sack, going deep on second and 10 and making it third and 10. Uh, third and two is much easier. Even fourth and two, uh, a lot easier to convert than third and long. Um, I would say, uh, so like I said, keep the playbooks uh, short and simple. Again, narrow it, narrow it down to six plays. Uh, Utilize uh, your snapper is something else I'm going to say a lot. Uh, snappers tend to go unnoticed. Uh, just slide them to the left or to the right. And uh, and once teams start picking up on what you're doing, use the in- go into the intermediate. So after your snapper, you know, they're, they're almost going to be double, double covering your snapper at that point. That means someone's going to be pretty wide open if you fake going to your snapper and then hitting over the top and by over the top I just mean like a seven yard hook behind the snapper um so utilize your snapper and go short and let your receivers do the work so I'll I'll be quick here with the defense it's very simple have a have about three four plays to work with right understand where you are and the the geography of the football field if you're in in red zone don't run man-to-man try keep a zone right uh have some shoots as well um, you know, do have a man-to-man look if you know that you can lock up with opponents uh, with your speed or size or skill sets that you have. But try to look at four defenses. Try to just copy what teams are throwing out there. And you can pick up and ask around. And I think that's key is, as asking and picking the brains of others, uh, like you did with Jafar Asana uh, when the Warriors uh, yesterday in your post game. So I think three to four plays in defense that are effective that fit to your strengths is key. And this reading plays mean patient out there. If you're patient, it will grow and you will get better game by game. So that's, that's how it is for the building blocks. And you can't just go, Oh, we're not gonna play next season. You kind of have to go through the, 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 the ups and downs or most of the downs early on to kind of grow. So I think this is definitely a good building block for you to come back in the spring season and, and kind of grow from there. So that's what I'd say three to four plays and build from there. So that's where you go with moving forward. All right. On to four A and four B eggs. At four, at, sorry, at five and zero, oh, LOE, are you all in? Even though the combined record of their five opponents is six and thirteen through six weeks of play. God damn it, Mo, I'm all in. You got me here. Uh, Les Otaries Extreme, my goodness, Chris Vero's tearing up the FPF league. Whether it's co-ed, Div three, Div four. Uh, so you know, speaking of Div three. Um, you know, getting that experience in a higher division and then coming down to Division Four games, the the speed of the game is so much slower. Uh, you you start you know seeing defense. You you get a lot more experience and see different defenses and what they do. And when you come down to Division Four, it's almost like a cakewalk. So definitely having one of the better. What I'm getting at is that they have one of the better quarterbacks uh, in the division, if not the best quarterback in the division. Uh, and then pair them up with uh, with athletes, right? Athlete, athletic football players like Kevin Malonga, uh, Umar Toure, uh, D- even Dimitri Melsbach. When Dim- if Dimitri Melsbach is your third option at receiver, you 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 have a lot of solid options uh, out there for your team. And then he's he's definitely had a nice connection with Gabriel Harvey, right? Uh, another receiver that he's playing with in co-ed. So he's 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 picking up pieces. Uh, from other 
uh, from sorry what I'm trying to say is that he's building a lot of chemistry with players that are on his other teams and bringing them onto this team for example and with with Harvey uh, he's he's gaining that chemistry on on more than one team uh, so offensively this is a dynamic uh, dual threat team and by dual threat the, the legs of Chris Vero can extend plays and, and get rushing yards uh, to extend drives and then defensively j- the, the same thing right the Umar Tures and the Kevin Malongas even add Xavier Sauvé between the three of those guys 12 interceptions in the five games that they played that's just three defenders on the field right and then uh, so d- definitely definitely I'm all in on on this team. Who the hell have they beaten so far? They've beaten no one yet. I don't care, Mo. You, yeah, I, you, I care you... because who the hell have they beaten so far? No one. I, I scored okay. the game. It's still CRA. It wasn't even close. Uh, Le Montagnier owned four. Uh, Half Centers FC, I think, is owned three. Um, still, CRA was the only team that's above 500-ish, right? So they're and they're blowing them the out of the water. And they're yeah, blowing them out of the water. They'll run the table in in, in the regular season. They'll be nine and one, ten and zero, probably. They'll be a one and done in the playoffs. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Bucket the cheese sticks. Bucket one and done in the playoffs. You're gonna have a whole plate of cheese sticks, and you, that you're gonna have to pay for, not be eating. Um, Two for well, me, I'll, one for you. Oh my God! No, 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 no! You, you, no! You're totally underestimating this team. Look, half Sanders FC. You have Matt Zepatelli with Ryan McNally, Sam Mashtub, uh, Janai Lewis, right? Beating them by nine. That's two possession game. Fine. Undisciplined flaggers. I'll give it to you. Uh, beating Step Brothers by 10. Uh, beating Le Montagnard by, what is that, 17. Beating Still CRA by 16. So we're looking at two, three possession games. Like these games aren't even close. Yes. Their combined record of their opponents is 6-13. and 13. You're calling them false kings? Okay, fine. By the definition of false king, yeah, their opponents are not doing so great. But I don't care. Watch their next game against Born in the 80s, against Mofos. They'll wreck them. And, and again, yeah. who, like, who have they played? They're like, so they're who like, do you want them to play? Their uniforms are FSU. They are exactly like FSU of college football from this past season. Who do you want them to play? Balls deep, trap stars, backfield it's, it's, penetration. It's because of the schedule, we, we don't have a way to schedule, so we can't They're, determine who's, who's what from where. But when they play better teams, we'll see how they are. Who's, in your opinion, who are the better teams? Well, who, okay, here. Well, let me just get up here. Balls yeah. deep, decent. Trap stars, they're good. Backfield penetration, they'll play. That is they'll the toughest play. schedule. It's the toughest, toughest game of the schedule. Nomads, a joke. Still CRA, no way. West Island boys only play three games. They should get back into that uh, upper tier. The groove, yeah. Uh, your Idaho Utah Pimps, I think, will be a tough route going towards the end of the season. So there's probably four or five that can compete with them. And they're not, they're not going to play anyone except for backfield penetration in week eight or week nine of the season. That's the game on April 1st to watch it out for. Okay. Well, let's let's circle back on uh, – start writing the script for April 1st, Mo. I will. I will. Um. So in that case, who is the second-best team in 4A? I mean, right now, yeah. It's I, I, I mean, it's way too early to to ask the question, right? Because it's to me, it's not balls deep, it's not trap stars, it's not backfield penetration. I'm leaning towards West Island boys, but I, I, I say it's too early to tell because they've just played three games on their schedule, right? And they took a like kind of strange loss to LBB 
what was it, week one? So, you know, Idaho Utapim's 2-2. Two two. We're, you know, after an 0-2 start, we're, we're starting to hit stride, but I'm not ready to call us the second-best team in the division. Uh, I, I don't understand bet boost ballers 2-3. Uh, uh, I, I like, so, so we'll bring that question now. It might, it might be why them. Why have they underachieved then, uh, bet boost ballers? I, 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 I can't give you a good answer. You, you've got me baffled. Like, is it there? I, I, I just don't know. 177 points four in five games. You should be four and one, like th- three and two at worst. But I, I don't know. Defensively, uh, they're like maniacs out there. But uh, sure, giving up 144 games in, in, in just in the five games is a lot, right? What is that, 28 points a game? Right. It's a lot, but it's, you know, with a high-powered offense like theirs, maybe they're playing too many yeah. run-and-gun style games, and, and it's going right. to catch up to them in one or two. It's not a safe way to play, but maybe that's why. Well, look, I'll say this, though, uh, about bet boost balls. I scored kept the game against Bourne in the 80s yesterday. Yeah. Um, the The... They sort of play down to competition and play up to the competition. And I just think that now, with the way it was, like they lost close one to backfield penetration week one. But I think that they, they've lost a couple of games by two points or less. They could easily be a four and one team right now than being two and three. I That's think it. they're they're getting back into flow now. I think that they found a good flow with Faulkner quarterback and that core group that they have in place um, as pass catchers. They could put up easily 40 points a game. And yes, I think the exactly. defense can lock up with the best of them. And I think they're going to find their, their their mojo going towards the last half of their schedule. Yeah, I like that's a team that, you know, going back to your previous question, they could be the second best team, you know, in, in five weeks from now. So look so out for So in that him. case, born in the 80s, they've lost two in a row. Uh, is reality starting to set in for them that they're now more of a middle of a pack team or have they found the right division to compete in as well? I, like, that was me who added that part. I know. I know. Because <laughs> for no. the viewers, you know, pull the curtain a bit, but <laughs> if you heard Mo stutter there for a second, look, like, I, you're, you're saying reality might be starting to kick in. I'm thinking this is the right division for them to compete in, right? Some games they're they're going to be, you know, a little more out of it, like mm-hmm. like this past one against Bet Boost Ballers. But you know, in speaking with David Dandrade, that wasn't their best game, right? That that said, he still said even with our best game, it's still a game that comes down to converts, and I'm not sure if we win that battle, right? Because they, you know, bet BBB bet boost ballers in this case, uh, were hitting their converts as well. Yeah. So that's a team when when they're hitting their converts, uh, like we were just talking about them. The offense is scary, and it could. Right teams away early and often and then whether it's born in the 80s or any other team and if you're coming uh from behind and and trying to put up you know 16 points in in two possessions and and get a stop and and do it all within you know uh, a clock that's chewing down it, it gets the defense tired the offense tired because you're running a hurry up offense at that point um but again all to say i think this is exactly where born in the 80s is uh the offense, the receiving core is there for, for Dave. He's got to take that next step. Quarterback is, is, is a very difficult position to play. We, we say it all the time, but it's, 
it, you go into increments. Like he's he's definitely capable from you know his past two three years of of throwing. He's he's no longer a Division Five quarterback. So when you take that first step in Division Four, like he is, that first crack at it is always difficult. So maybe it's next uh, winter in Division Four where he's gonna see you know the the fifty five touchdowns to seven interception type of performance because he's used to the speed of the game and all. But I, I I wouldn't count them out just yet. I'd put them at uh, you know ending with a potentially a six and four record. Uh, but a lot of it it basically comes down to the quarterback position because he has the weapons uh, around him to to perform very well. Well, as you can see, I'm, I've moved my spot here because my yeah I bought you I bought yeah exactly Pull I bought you some time. I, uh, get my power up here. The power cord is not too close to where I am. We should be good yeah, now. So like even so not just offensively right but defensively uh of course adding adding Sanders is is huge in division 4 there's not many big guys like him i mean Lizotadi extreme have like two two guys like Sanders um but and and, and like you know JD Jolie is he on the roster or he just subbed in for two games cuz that's another yeah. big big body piece uh that that really rounds out the the defense very well you have the speed of Craig Browning uh the smarts of Dave on on defense and then you have the size and athletic ability of Sanders and and JD like you know you just you need your guys to show up too right so that's that's part of it as well Jeremy Franca a very very um, good rusher too I'll say this, uh, Dave DeAndrade should not be throwing 40 balls a game. No, but if the game dictates it, like I'm sure it did, then, sh- I mean, I threw 40 balls the other night against uh, There's a difference, though, Mc- There's a difference, though. He's not a 40-pitch guy. He's a guy that if you put him in 20 to 30 range, he will be much more effective than throwing 40 passes. I mean, I, I I get what you're saying, but sometimes the game situation dictates that. It's right? like Rock Purdy. They, he threw for 38 passes. That was the highest he th- threw in a game in his two years in the NFL. He's not, you know, like, I'm not saying David DeAndre is Brock Purdy, but you have to get him in a better ratio to be successful. And they weren't successful that they had. <laughs> the thing, the difference there is there's no running game like there is in the NFL. Come on, Mo. Anyway. You could have just handed off to a running back, but you don't want to be doing that every second play. <laughs> All right, on to 4B. Um, I looked at it before. I know we spoke, we've spoken about them before, Eggs. Uh, how many teams are better than X-Men right now in 4B? I mean, let Anadvif have their number, right? Yep. With a finals win and a regular season, demolishing, uh, not demolishing, but they beat them. They they hand they beat them handedly. Uh, so definitely LRV. So that's one. I don't think the penetrators are better than them. I don't they think Baldwin no lies. I think they lost. This yeah, week. yep, yep. I don't think Baldwin lies better than them. Uh, yeah. I, I I like what Killer Rays could do if uh, if they these two teams met in a matchup, uh, two you know organized and athletic teams. X Men probably being a bit more athletic, but Killer Rays have implemented a very good offensive system. Um, yeah, it's probably just LRV because just I think Killer Rays X Men is pretty even. I'm not ready to say they're better. I'm not ready to say they're worse. I just. LRV for me is the only team that's better than X-Men. 
Yeah, look, I think for X-Men now, they they will have an easier run towards the end of the season. They'll get ball, ball don't lie, and kill raised in the final two games, which could tell us a whole lot about the mix. But I think now, um, they're not if, no question, best team in this division. There's no ifs or buts about that in 4B. Uh, Killer Rays, I think, are up there in that conversation. Uh, Penetrators had a glitch against uh, Fourth and Schlong. Um, so I, I think they're probably 4-5, and that's where they are right now in, in the standing is that 4-5. So mm-hmm. that's where I have them right now, and I think they can improve. They can get up to 3-2, but I don't know if they can beat Leganov. If It's sort of like they're the Mahomes to their 49ers. Right, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I see in, in that sense with them uh, moving forward here. Uh, look, we got a big one this week. Team Sexy against Ball Don't Lie. Both teams wear pink, and that's the common thing we have between them in terms of uniform aesthetics. But both teams right now are in uh, the top tier of the division. Team Sexy is at 2-2. Two and two. Ball Don't Lie is at 3-1. and one. So a game separates pretty much from 3-9 to nine from where they are. So who needs this game more on the weekend? Is it Team Sexy or Ball Don't Lie? So... Just record-wise, you'd think it's Team Sexy just because they already have two losses. And if Ball Don't Lie lose, that would bring them to two losses as well. But I'm going to go with Ball Don't Lie needing the the victory more. I've seen uh, Team Sexy more, well, well, play more often in FPF. Ball Don't Lie seem to be a winter team. So they only get one out of the three seasons, whereas Team Sexy is a notorious uh, team that comes back now uh, every season in FPF, playing Fall Cup and Spring Seasons. So I'm not as worried as their chemistry um, as much as I am with Ball Don't Lie. Um, There's, you know, they, they they suffered a loss to Voodoo, looking to bounce back off of that one. So I think it's a much bigger game for ball don't lie where the offense is okay but uh, look 100 points in four games 25 points a game for 4b it's it's the like the minimum to be accept acceptable anything below that is is just not good anymore so they need to show me that they can start hitting 30 points a game uh i like what they what they can do defensively um but I think the two defenses are pretty even. I just think Team Sexy's offense is a bit more refined, a bit more uh, experienced. So I think it's a bigger game for Baldon Lai. Yeah, I think so. I think Baldon Lai have a lot more to prove. Um, body work's been decent. They know a lot, so they can drop them out, I think, altogether for a top three spot in 4B. Um, if they were to win that game, it keeps them alive for, for a top four. But if they were to lose, I think they they finish no higher than five at that point. If it really falls their way, I'm still I'm still determining ball don't lie if they are a good team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know yet. I think this next sample size of three games can give us a better idea. Uh, team sexy, you're you're absolutely right. They have played so many seasons now that they're so much better from where they were, say, in the return of COVID in 2022 to where they are today. Yeah. Uh, so I think they have a decided edge. I think they're probably four and a half point favorites in this football game. And I think Baldola have to come up with a turnover to to really have a chance to win this football game. If they don't, then I think Team Sexy gets themselves back into that top five conversation going towards the second half of their schedule. 
Yeah, I think so too. Uh, what do you think about another top five team here? Just sitting on the outside, Pocket Rockets, sitting at two and one. Uh, is that a team that should be on more uh, more players and more analysts' radar here with the potential that they have? Yeah, I'm intrigued by them because uh, you know Jeff Marquis, we know very well in the higher divisions, has had a good quarterback season so far: 14 TDs, two INTs, almost 500 yards passing. Simo Duma, uh, decent receiver. These are guys that he's played with, and of course, you know him very well. Gab Charles Dabé Champagne, you know, already uh, 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 he's he's like the he's like the unicorn Gronk of FPF, right? You can line up anywhere on the football field, he can just bully you where whatever it is. They have a really good receiving core, and I think their defense is decently uh, as well in how they played so far this season. I know the first three games, uh, fourth and Schlong, Voodoo, not you know middle lower end pack, and then Team Sexy, who they lost to, but they get Killer Rays coming up next, and that's a big one for them. If they were to beat Killer Rays. I think you got to put them in that top four conversation going towards the second half of the season. Definitely. Uh, the thing with their game against Killer Rays, they're going to need to stop them three times, if not at least two times on defense. And I, I don't necessarily see that happening without like a bad bounce going the killer rays way or or just one bad read um from uh, from the killer rays offense that's that's a really tough offense to stop uh and and getting three stops out of the pocket rocket defense is a lot to ask for but that's what they would need in order to guarantee themselves a victory over killer rays if not it would be a game that comes down to converts and right now convert wise uh i i do you know 14 touchdowns that you mentioned from jf marquis uh what's that four six eight eight out of the 14 so roughly you know hitting 50 percent of his converts mostly for one killer rays is a team that with now more experience is a team that goes off for two a lot yeah. more often and therefore uh you know killer rays are def definite definite favorites in there so if you are not getting three stops you need to win on converts and you got to be hitting your twos all right on to women's uh one and two sarah parker is she the favorite twin quarterback of the year well, that's not the question. The question is whether Sarah Parker, if you would bet Sarah Parker or the field to win quarterback of the year. That's the question, oh, my yes. friend. <laughs> my bad. Sorry, Thinking... I was looking at it. I was trying to formulate the question in my head. Process it over there. My bad, Iggy. Well, because it's not exactly the, the same thing, right? Because, I, and, and I, honestly, if I had to answer today, she's not the winner of quarterback of the year. I would give it right now to Emmanuel Bransard. But I mean, again, they haven't played the same number of games, but that could happen by the end of the season. Sarah Parker could play all 10. Emmanuel could only play nine. I mean, just to me, there's a difference of three touchdowns that Sarah Parker has scored more than Bransard, but three interceptions more. So Mo, I ask you, like I ask Peas all the time, is a three TD, three INT game a good game? Oh, and before I answer that question, you said Sarah Parker the field. Yes. There is no field except for Emmanuel Brassard. That's it. Well, I mean, it. It been, is it Sarah Parker or Brassard that's going to win the quarterback here? The field, the, combi the combination of all these touchdowns, <laughs> they're below, like, I think it's like a more INT ratio, the TD ratio that they have with the other quarterbacks in this, in this division. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, I don't believe Clara Baudouin is going to be throwing for the rest of the year. Maybe they're bringing no. in now Elizabeth Ashkar. Um, maybe she can make a late season push for it. But uh, like the 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 Le Bleu quarterbacks, 12, 12 uh, TDs combined and two INTs only. So they're on Emmanuel Bronsard's pace. So it could be uh, whoever the quarterback is for Le Bleu come uh, come May and so, well April April. I'll take Sarah Parker in this argument. Um, yeah, she's played one more game than Bronsard, but if you're going to look at it from this perspective, she's thrown just under four TDs per game. So that would put her on pace for about 37, 38 touchdowns for the season. INTs might be a little bit too rich for, for my liking because it's almost one per game. So mm-hmm. that might be held against her. But passing completion, yards, touchdowns, the triple crown of, for a quarterback um, pantheon is there in her favor. And I, and I think if they do end up being a, a top-tier seed, that helps as well. So I'll take Sarah Parker to be the one to to win this uh, award at this point of the regular season. Right. Gotcha. So B's play sub-zero. Um, a lot of history with these two teams, right? The B's beat them in the tournament last week. And it appeared Mola Cass was the one that was throwing for them. And they kept the last game close, losing 14-6. So do the beers sorry, do the bees have a chance to sting sub zero on the weekend? I mean, it would be a great upset. I saw that in the tournament that they won, but I'm like, oh, but who's the quarterback? And then I see Maud Lacasse in the picture. I'm like, uh, eh, maybe it was her. I mean, but then you look at that last performance, 14 to 6. That's a hell of a defensive performance to hold Sarah Parker to 14 points with this star-studded sub-zero offense. I mean can they do it again? I mean, they know Sarah Parker's tendencies and, and what she likes to attack. So I think there's a, there's like, uh, I think there's a 12.5% chance that the bees can pull off the upset here because their quarterback situation is a bit of a question mark to me. They've had, you know, Sophia Pursuti only play one game. Uh, I'm not, not sure who the other quarterbacks were. Clarence Michaud, actually, uh, now that I see properly. So is she the full-time quarterback for this team? If it's her, you know, not putting up great stats, only three TDs in the three games so far, uh, would be a, a, a tougher challenge. But I like what this B's defense has been able to do, not only to Sarah Parker, but other uh, other quarterbacks in this division that B's defense, it's I, I score kept some of their games. It's it's serious. So if they can limit Sarah Parker to another 14 points, there's a chance. I'm going to go with 12.5% chance that they can pull off the upset. Are you nuts? Subject's going to wreck them. 12.5%. There's no way that the B's are going to get them down to one score game. None. I think Sarah Parker's going to come out there and be surgically magical with her right hand, slicing, opening up the hearts of the bees and taking away any honey that they're looking for on that game. I think the bees don't have the firepower to match up with the horsepower of the Sub-Zero attack and their defensive skills that Sub-Zero has so far is far superior. I don't see how they can lose this game, let alone keep this game competitive. If the bees were to come be competitive, it's because Sarah Parker threw 
three INTs I went for pick six. And it's possible. And it's possible that defense of the Bees is hungry and looking to score for that, that, yes, that offense that has trouble moving the ball. That Bees defense, led by Victoria DiLoretto, will come on the show one night. I swear it will happen. She's a unicorn. She's a unicorn. But, uh, That's all we know but, about. <laughs> We've heard about her, but we we have not seen her yet on the show. But uh, she she's uh, very dangerous with the ball in her hands. Twelve point five percent chance. All right, uh, Le Bleu. Uh, what do you think about them? Slow start to the season. Is it scheduling? Um, are they sort of sleeping giant at this point of the regular season? I, I mean, we know their pedigree, right? They're they're the. The reigning uh, champs in women's one from last year's FPF uh, season. Uh, it's just that sleeping giant is 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 my feeling with this team, right? Uh, even even in the absence uh, of of I believe their full time quarterback. I don't know if Elizabeth Ashkar is going to be taking over full time. Uh, they're still you know at two and one, putting up eighty points in three games. Um, it's just there's a lot of weapons on this team, right? Uh, Mathilde Renault uh, already with three TDs. Emma Racine uh, looking better than ever coming off her uh, her knee injury. Uh, she has three touchdowns as well. Emily Papillon of uh, also playing in women's too. She's a very good receiver. Uh, Erica Bastien, Abigail Perot, uh, not to mention uh, defensively names like Elodie Simonon. Um, so definitely star-studded roster as it comes in women's one. And I, I, I just really want to see them uh, get some more games under their belt in FPF and just to see uh, how far, how good this team really is because I think they're they're right behind Sub-Zero. I have no issues at all for Le Bleu. I think they've been, they're going to be fine. They played only three games uh, essentially uh, since January 6th. So that means they've played three games in 40 days. So they've played three in 40 days. That means they're at a, at a th- one game for 13-day peak. So now they're going to hit the, th- the thick of their schedule as of February oh, 7th and beyond. There, I knew it was coming, the thick and fast, baby. Thick and fast right here. <laughs> but they get Vortex, which should be a win for them. Uh, Blue Put will be a tough one for them. Uh, they get Vortex again. Brutes. They could easily be uh, a five-win team before they play Sub-Zero on March 27th. If not, uh, I have no problems at all. I, I think they're going to be fine. Uh, Emma Racine is my favorite flag football player. I- I've I- heard Mo Lacasse are one in 1A in my books. I don't hide that, that-, that feeling about them because I think they're both fabulous players. I think Emma Racine will definitely change the look of this composition for this team, and they are going to be much more dynamic now compared to where they were. When I saw them play on January 6th in opening night, they, just, they didn't have the same cachet, but now going through the uh, through the gauntlet of games that they've done, whether it's here or elsewhere, they're going to be fun. I think they'll be in the finals by the time we hit that point in late April, early May. Okay. All right. We'll, uh, we'll move over to women's two, Mo. Yes, sir. Yes, we're moving on to women's two here. And uh, Wolfpack. Wolfpack. What do you make about Wolfpack and their, uh, their win-loss, win-loss, win-loss in consecutive weeks? And could they beat Fit Squad? This week to go three and three, and where will this team end up in the standings at the end of the day, Eggs? Yeah, they've been, you know, like uh, like you're saying, alternating wins and losses here uh, to start the season. I 
I really like the offense of of this team. Like I've mentioned in you know in past seasons, uh, the trifecta of uh, of Karian Auger with Camille Dumas quarterback and Maris Paquette, uh, I believe at snapper, uh, one of the uh, one of the elite and premier snappers in uh, in all of the women's uh, game. Um, it's just I I don't know what it is sometimes that maybe it's the defense you know letting up 110 points so far get not getting the right the timely stops you 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 know i i I praise the offense but then they put up zero points against wildcats you know a team that they've faced off a lot more uh in in uh in the fall seasons probably two or three times uh with a limited number of teams that sign up in the in the fall season I don't know. You get those random games where they pitch a shutout, right? Uh, shutout offensively, so in the in the bad sense. Um, I I don't know. I, I I like the team. I like when they're. I, I guess I like the team when they're playing at their best, uh, because they're they're off. Their offense is dynamic. Maris Paquette is is a turnover machine on on the defensive end of the ball, uh, and they do have some decent depth as well, right? Sure, the 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 majority of their offense runs through Maris Paquette, Karian Auger, but even the the depth of Christelle uh, Joux, uh, Jade Shen Moreau, even uh, Justine Saint Pierre, like they they they. Maybe they need to get a bit more involved uh, than they already do just to, in case teams are able to neutralize the OGs and the Paquettes of the world, uh, that, that they can have a decent third and fourth option like many many of the better teams do in, in, uh, in women's too. In terms of where they end up, going to be like middle of the wolf pack. Um Probably five and five. I'll I mean, playing worse over there. I see. Yeah, yeah, just just a little bit. I, I, yeah, I, I kind of see this team alternating their wins and losses all the way uh, throughout their regular season. Okay, on to the next question here, Iggs. Um, two-way player of the year. I uh, got Alexandra Ladosor, Maris Paquette, or other. So, two-way player of the year is still open-ended right now. But who you got winning this award? It's. It's really tough. I think it's going to be between those uh, two. I don't think it's going to be an other, unless there's like a late season surge from uh, from an unknown player that I that I don't know necessarily. Uh, but both Maris Paquette and uh, Alex Ladusa, uh, four ints, both with pick sixes each, and they're both just absolutely tearing up the offensive uh, stats page here, right? Uh, Maris Paquette, uh, three fifty seven yards, thirty five receptions, seven touchdowns, uh, tied for first with those seven TDs and then Alexandre Ladusa uh, already eclipsing 430 uh, 30 yards uh, through you know through the catching game uh, league high 41 uh, receptions and seven TDs so currently you can say uh, the triple crown leader here uh, I I think you know, I've seen Maris Paquette win it in the past and, and be that dominant force, but I think Alexandra Ladoussard is uh, is going to do a lot of damage this year through that Wildcat, Wildcats offense. Uh, and then just defensively, if she continues at that pace, uh, she's going to need to go pick for pick with Maris Paquette. But I think offensively, she they're they're really running the Wildcats offense through uh, Ladoussard. I think she has a slight edge. So I got the third option here uh, to add Ooh. to this two-horse race. Okay. Uh, these two horses are very good, but there's a th- third horse that I think is going to be a part of that final 
quarter mile going towards the final turn here. Uh, yeah. MP Adam of Dream Killers. 15 tackles, three INTs, four PDs, no pick sixes yet. Now, if she were to get a pick six, I think that puts her right into that thick in that final length of a race over here with the mm -hmm. other two. So I think Adam might be the dark horse. So if we had like a fan duel, like, you know, odds of like, you know, what the numbers would be, um, she would probably go like minus like 1500 or minus yeah. 400. I take those odds on Adam. Wait, we do have his flag duel. Come on, Mo. Keep well, it I'm up. saying MP Adam could be the one to watch out for. Okay. Yeah. As your other. That, that, that's right. my observation. I think if she gets a pick six and continues at this clip, that's yeah. why I put money on going towards that, that award uh, for women's two. And may, you said two names. Is maybe one of the names? Oh no, she's not rushing. I would have thought maybe uh, Maggie Gervais putting a lot, uh, putting up a lot more offensive stats with Fit Squad. Uh, eleven, uh, eleven receptions, two hundred and seventeen yards, five TDs. I would have thought maybe uh, she would have been uh, a top of the leaderboard in sacks, but I don't believe she's rushing for no, uh, Fit right Squad. Now. No, great, so. great, great player, great person off the field as well. A, re a real nice uh, class act that she is. Um, 35 plus, uh, KTFL, we'll start off with them. Uh, what's been more hurtful on rocks, 45, 20 loss to JMJ or flag plus overtimes tie against Brody Windsor. And what's the right decision in overtime, uh, Super Bowl versus FPF edition go first or go second in the overtime session. Yeah. So I was there on Monday night at St. Laurent, um, and I think that overtime tie uh, hurts a little more uh, for flag plus, right? Sitting without a uh, without a victory right now at 0-4 and one, um, flag plus. Actually, I can't remember who went first or second, but uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But just going into that game uh, without the victory and coming out out of it, you know, that the tie still feels like a loss. Maybe even and you, Brody Winter would probably say the same thing. Uh, but you know, in in on the flip side, on Rock. You know, tough night for Chris Olsen. Had thrown three interceptions that night. You you just know you're not going to win that game, you know, with probably 10 minutes left, uh, five minutes left in the game. Uh, so definitely, I, I personally think flag plus is, uh, that, you know, it stings a little more to, to get that uh, overtime tie. But Mo, what is the right decision? Uh, do you want to be going for the ball first? What You know, are, are the intricacies different now with the uh, with the regular season overtime? It's like the coin toss. You always defer to have the ball in the second half, right? Because you kind of want to control the clock late first half going towards second half. In this case, yeah, you want to nope. know what you're going for because, nope. you know, again, it's not the NFL recap. We're not doing that here. We're talking about FPF. But just to make a quick point here, you don't want to give the best player four downs to work with to get either a tie or a win. You want them to get three downs and, and go from there. In this case, because we want field goals, I'd rather go second because I want to know what my target mark is. Because if you don't hit the target mark early, you're giving them a free hit to win, no matter how you look at it. So I'm going second no matter what, how you have, no. however you want to look at it. That is the incorrect answer, Mo. You, in And only in playoff overtime, not, uh, sorry, in a regular season overtime. Playoff overtime, you definitely want to be the team that has the ball last because you want to oh, know. Okay, you, you, I, I, I was thinking playoff overtime more than regular no, season overtime. Yes, remember, regular, right. yes. So, you know what, let's take, let's take a minute to distinguish the two. So, 
since we're in the regular season, regular season overtime, it's one attempt each from uh, from each team where you can either go for one or for two. In playoff overtime, it is a three-round shootout where it is an ABBA or a snake format. So Team A would go first, Team B would then go second and third, and then Team A would go fourth and fifth and finish off with, with Team B. So... W- you know, now did your is your answer going to change now that you're actually listening to the question and that we're talking about uh, regular season overtime? Yeah, I mean, look, it's <laughs> it's important to have um, that first attempt in, in regular season overtime because you hit it, the pressure's on to win it. You know, but and then again, the flip side is that if you don't hit it, then you know it's like you're giving that team a chance to beat you. But yes, in playoff, I'd rather go second, but in regular season, I, I'd rather go first. To okay, kind of there set the we tone go. Because if you do hit it, then hey, the pressure's all on on the second inning team to come with with the points to win that game. Right. Because remember, Mo, even if you if so, if you go first and you go for one, the other t- and you hit it, the other team is forced to go for two. So yeah. you can force a team that is not comfortable with two point converts. Especially, you'll see that in the lower divisions. That if you hit your first convert which is just for one which a lot more teams in the lower divisions are comfortable with you're forcing your opponent to go for two to go and they they must go for the win so yes you've now answered the question correctly you want to go first in uh fpf's regular season overtime all right uh next question for ktfl uh final play of the game from seven yards out uh which this this is a very insulting question here what i would say Big body receiver. You, are you implying that they're out of like shape? Like a tight end. Like no, like a tight end. Like like a big. I always said, which a, big a, target receiver? Yes. Would you want to come up clutch? Is Same it Corey thing. Sim Robertson, yeah. Lonnie Johnson, or Chris Brockwell? Right. They are. They're all like physically imposing. Right. They they are able to box you out. Uh, they use their size to their advantage. So yes, big t- big target. It's the same thing. It's a big body. <laughs> Okay, maybe maybe you worded it better. <laughs> maybe you worded it better than me. Um, but all these look honestly, all these guys are amongst the leaders in the KTFL draft division with their, you know, I, I think even Corey Sim Robertson has the most TDs with seven, I believe, right now. Um, but I I've just seen it more from Chris Brockwell, uh, you know, coming up with clutch catches and big situations and final plays of the game. Uh, so I would go with uh, Chris Brockwell, but Lonnie Johnson's a, a close second. Yeah, I agree. I think Chris Brockwell has a little bit more agility, agility than the other two. That's because of the age difference, right? With those two guys a little bit older than, than Brockwell, I believe. So I, I think Brockwell would be, would be my target. I think he's got a really good um, radar a catching radius and radar to be positioned properly to the box down to give himself that touchdown. So Brockwell's my guy uh, that can do it. So on to legends, one win team, which of the one win teams has a chance to get to four wins? I mean, everything hurts is going to struggle uh, just because they have once again, a question mark at uh, at quarterback. Um so, I mean, that leaves uh, Team Ethnic and Greyhawks. Um, if you quickly look at the Team Ethnic uh, senior, please, uh, sir. Uh, if you look at their schedule, they play Greyhawks. So, we'll just quickly, I'll quickly do uh, if I think they'll win or lose. So, they play Greyhawks 
my God, three times. Uh, let's say I'll, I'll say they'll win two of those. So that puts them at three wins. And then they play Everything Hurts twice. I'd like to say they win both. So already there, they're at, they're at five wins. So definitely think Team Ethnic Senior can get there. And then if I think Greyhawks are going to lose two of the three matchups against uh, Team Ethnic, that puts them at two wins. They then face Bearskins only one more time. Uh, and their previous matchup, a 25 to 13 loss. I don't see them coming up with a win there. Uh, so they're still at two wins. Uh, and then play Everything Hurts twice, where I think they can go 2-0. and So I think they, they can hit exactly uh, four wins on the season. So both uh, Team Ethic Senior and uh, Greyhawks for me. I don't know if you think the same or different. I, I agree with you on that. I think uh, that that's the target that you have to look at. But it, I, it's still, I'm not saying it's done yet, but I think we will get a clear picture by early March and how this plays out for this division. I think right now it's still in the unknown stages uh, in mid-February, but I think in the next couple weeks, I think we'll start seeing separation and start seeing more clarity on who can get to that four-win plateau as yeah. well. So, look, Iggs, um, touchdowns right now in the top five. You got David Richter, Greyhawks at five. You got Justin... Uh, Ania at four, Shane Williams at four, Kenton Lowe at four, Chris Brockwell at three, and Will- Kenton Lowe at three, I beg your pardon. Ania, Williams, Lowe, Brockwell all play for the same team, uh, yep. but yet none of them are in first place. So right. will one of them end up having the most touchdowns, or will they cancel each other out that no one really jumps up to the number one spot at the end of the day? Right. And then on top of that, which of those four do you think is going to be the more the most likely to get the number one rank uh, oh, in Shane terms Williams. of TDs? Okay, so our, okay, so Shane Williams already that is the most likely candidate to get uh, the number one. Uh, but do you think any of those four uh, would would get the number one uh, rank in, in yeah, receiving touchdowns? I think so. Don't forget, Wade Williams is also in that conversation, number nine, uh, number eight at three touchdowns, but. I think Shane Williams can definitely do it. I think Shane has the the pedigree. He's got the uh, uh, the ge- the geography of understanding where to be. Like it's not Shane Williams of, of prime years. It's now Shane Williams who who's much more smarter in trying to position himself on the football field. I would take him as my as my guy that I would pick uh, to potentially win uh, the most touchdowns in the thirty five plus legends uh, division. Yeah, I I don't necessarily think uh any of them is gonna is gonna get it i think a bearskins receiver uh with the bearskins only having played i believe three games uh one of the bearskins receivers is gonna get the the most touchdowns but of the four uh even though he's, you know, I, I, I got to look at the target share. And right now, Kenton Lowe with uh, 20 targets, the most out of the pacemaker uh, receivers. He, he Jason, uh, Ro- yeah, Jason Rossi really likes, uh, you know, I, I score kept their game last night. Really likes what he what he can get out of Kenton Lowe. Puts him, uh, makes him run routes uh, that, that suit his skill set. Uh, and could have had a, a fourth touchdown uh, last night in order to get him up to four but uh just you know uh back of the back of the end zone tough tough catch tough tough uh tough angle for even both the referees and even for honestly for me to see if it was a a touchdown or not but uh give me kenton Lowe from uh pacemakers to uh to potentially be the number one uh touchdown receiver okay then 
uh, that'll do Ooh. for us here for uh, Call of the Audible. We, uh, what was this? This was wrapping up week six. We got yeah. week seven uh, starting on uh, on Saturday. A lot of big games uh, to look forward to. Uh, but Mo, how do you usually conclude this show? Well, before we do that, just, just want to give a oh, heads up. Oh, oh, um, oh, what's the heads up? As we said, top of the show, playoff schedule will come out in the coming days. Um, can't say much yet. I know Iggy, you and Rob spoke about it this morning. Uh, but there could be a schedule adjustment be- uh, because of one weekend, which falls on a long weekend. Uh, we'll get more clarity in the coming days, I would imagine, on that front, Iggy. Yeah. Yes, correct. Yeah, so don't want to say anything yet about that, but um, we made a bit of a fumble. Uh, we we, we kind of looked like Kyle Shanahan in the second half in that third quarter against the Chiefs. Not realizing yeah. our mistakes early on. No, no, no. There's no, f- there's no fumbles in flag football. Come on, Mo. Yeah, there is with us when we fumble. We, we, when, we, when we bleep up, we really bleep up at FPF. That's how I look yeah. at it right now. We bleep up big, we go home. But uh, no, we'll we'll uh, we'll let everyone know in the coming days uh, for sure about that situation. And not a big one, but something we have to readjust moving forward here. But again, most importantly though, please check your player rosters to see if you have at least five games or more. You need five games to be playoff eligible. So if you see there's a discrepancy with what you have with your roster, let us know. We can investigate if we can to look back on it. And just ask us, right, to be clear about, hey, we're looking for this player to make sure that he or she has five games. If not, we'll do our best to find out. If we have a conclusion, great. If not, then it is what it is at that point. That's it. That's all. All right. Magic words, please. I don't do that thing, Mo, where you give me magic words to say. Uh, Good night, San Francisco 49ers. You now have the second longest Super Bowl losing streak. Active Super Bowl losing streak. Good night.